You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Oh, Tani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, how is everybody doing here on a Monday? Hope you had a wonderful weekend getting to listen to A's baseball here on A's Cast. How good was that? Hearing Ken, hearing Vinny, hearing baseball. I don't care if the games are four-plus hours and a bunch of guys you've never heard of, especially on the other team. It's just great to have baseball back as we're sitting here in the commander's command center as we were watching Phillies and the Yankees. That's one of the cool things about spring training. And if you're listening to us and you're at a desk or you're still able to work from home, that's one of the great things about spring training is that it just gives you something to watch on TV all day. It's great background. You know, you talk about background music. It's just great background sound. And if you're able to watch it, just have baseball on. Because let's face it, normally on a Monday, very rare someone's playing a day game. We're just watching Yankees and Phillies now from Tempe Diablo Stadium. We're going to have Angels and the Royals. Shohei Otani's going to be on the mound. That is the greatness of spring training. And, yes, the athletics have a day off, but we don't. We don't take days off. We had enough We had enough time off during the lockout. It is time to get her going. How are you, Cody? How are you today? I'm good. We, we were talking about a lot of stuff this morning when it comes in regards to to baseball and, and the A's, and I was listening to our spring training game yesterday. I have a theory on who could be our opening day first baseman. I know we're looking way far ahead till April 8th, but there's a lot of stuff that went Is on Is that week. really far ahead? It's like two weeks, right? True. We, we saw the big news, uh, which we'll get into, but a little foreshadowing. Carlos Correa is on a team. Trevor Story is on a team. So the, the biggest free agent out there still is Michael Conforto, the outfielder from the Mets. He's the biggest free agent left on the market, so – Things are moving quickly as, you know, the April 8th opening day is rapidly approaching. Yeah, it's going to be here before you know it. And, you know, what is spring training? What does it really mean to certain guys as we've never really – I don't think we've ever seen a spring training like this. Or, or, I mean, you'd have to go way back when because you can't can't count 2020 because 2020 was you had spring training – it got interrupted, and then what they did was, okay, we're now going to have, what do we call it, summer camp? And we basically had the guys that you thought 
Well, you had the guys that were going to be on your roster, and you had guys who you thought would be a part of the big league club if needed be, whether injury, uh, someone tested positive for COVID, whatever. Um, You had those guys all report to the Coliseum, and then you kind of had like a taxi squad hang out at San Jose Muni down in here in San Jose, a home of the San Jose Giants and San Jose State Baseball. And then you also had your top prospects play with those guys so they didn't lose a full year. But there wasn't like a full spring training. So then you have this year, which is a, a spring training, not a summer camp, but it's, it's an abbreviated spring training. So you're only going to get so many times out on the mound. So when you see someone like A.J. Puck struggle in his first outing, it's not like he's going to get a full spring to work things out. And really, what is his future? You know, Sean Manaya takes the mound, and from what I heard, a ton of scouts were there. We know he's on the trading block. Supposedly, he looked terrible. So you're not going to get a whole lot of at-bats. You're not going to get a, a whole lot of innings. And I feel bad for those guys that are trying to earn a job. You only get so many opportunities to try and earn a job at this level And if this is like kind of one of those make or break years for you and you're not truly getting that full opportunity, man, that sucks. And before, I guess you could swallow it because of a a virus that was globally killing people. But this was all about business. It it was about dollars. And if, if, man, if you got got gypped your time from spring training that really affects your, your career... I feel bad for you. Uh, Speaking of the deals, you know, one thing that I just kind of irked me over the weekend, and I've kind of been waiting to talk about this, and Glenn Kuyper is going to join us at 1.30, the TV face of your A's broadcast. Julian McWilliams from the Boston Globe will be here at 2.30. Just had a child uh, with his wife, so from what I understand – was kind of happy to get down to spring training and get away from diapers. So we'll talk to him at 2.30. And then Chip Carey, the legendary TV face and voice of Braves television, will be here at 3.30 from the famed baseball family, the Carey family. But the one thing that really kind of irks me, and I don't know if it's because of where I am in my career, I'm t- I just I have my, my BS meter is really strong these days. Like, I don't want to hear about baseball players when they talk about, I want to go somewhere where I want to win. I mean, does anybody buy that? It's one of the reasons, I think what's been going on recently kind of proves my point of it bugs me, and I just understand it's the business, it's how we've run the business, it's how we've run it for so many years, where we just so cater to every little freaking need of the players. And it's every organization and it's every sport. And you could say, well, it's the players that that, that people come to see. Eh, I think that's debatable because players change all the time. It's the sport you come to see. 
Players will change. No one plays forever. And, man, do we accommodate these guys. We kiss these guys' fannies. We tiptoe around their every little single need. Why? They're going to leave. Their loyalties go somewhere else. And I just, I just, it, it just, it rubs me so wrong. I, I, and, and I'll kind of stay away from our guys and our former guys. I, I'll give you one. You know, when you're watching someone sign with the Colorado Rockies and they talk about, I want to win. I'm here because I want to win. Are, 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 are you really selling that, Chris Bryant, that you're going to the Colorado Rockies because you want to win? You serious? I mean, we have seen guys who truly do want to win. And we can look at other sports. Michael Jordan for years was not even close to the highest paid player in the NBA. Wasn't even the highest paid player on his team. Scottie Pippen made more money off contracts in the NBA than Michael Jordan ever did. Now, Michael made all of his money off endorsements and he's now a billionaire. But... Michael Jordan never sat out, never demanded to be the highest paid player. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady never requested to be the highest paid quarterback. There are always plenty of guys making more because they actually did want to win. You know, we had players from yesteryear that took pride in no matter what, I want to be in one spot my entire career. So there were some lean years for Cal Ripken Jr. in Baltimore. There were lean years for Kirby Puckett in Minnesota. There were lean years in San Diego for Tony Gwynn. But there were also great years. But they wanted to be in the same place, spend their entire career, and they wanted to be a franchise guy. And so easy now do we hear guys or they go, I want to win. Well, let's be honest. I was fine with what Matt Chapman had to say to Ken Rosenthal until he brought up the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, you can say they want to win. You can, you could say that they're on a path maybe to win. But let's not forget the A's have won a hell of a lot more games than the Toronto Blue Jays since uh, Matt Chapman entered Major League Baseball. They've been to the playoffs more than the Toronto Blue Jays have been since Matt Chapman entered baseball. Right? Bob Melvin left. Well, it's a great opportunity here. Bob Melvin and the A's won a hell of a lot more games in his tenure than the San Diego Padres ever did. You know how many times the Padres made the playoffs the tenure that Bob Melvin was in Oakland? How many times? One. One. That was in the 2020 year. One. So it's amazing to me, like all of a sudden everybody's talking about winning and you're leaving an organization that won a hell of a lot more than the organization you're going to. Now you might say, well, Townie, look, they're starting to break up the team. They always do this. And two years later, they're back in the playoffs for three, four years, which the Blue Jays don't do and the Padres don't do. Only Matt Olson really can leave here and go, I'm going to the defending world champions. And you tip your cap and go, okay, I get it. But don't let economics and winning fool you. Perception versus reality. You know, 
aren't you supposed to be the person that makes that change, that makes the team the winning franchise? Are you really going to be shocked if not this year, even next year or the year after what the A's could be doing? Are you going to be shocked? Why would you be? Half the time that Billy Bean has run this franchise since he's taken over in late 97 and the first season 98, half, basically half the time his team's been in the postseason. How many times have the Toronto Blue Jays won their division since, um, I'm going to throw it out there, throw, put them up on Wikipedia. I'm going to say the Blue Jays have won their division one time in the last 20 plus years. Uh, okay, so let's go back to 2000. Let's go back to, let's just go back to 2000. Since 2000, the Blue Jays have won their division one time. Wow. You would think I cover the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm so smart. It was in 2015 when they won the division and lost in the ALCS four games to two. I'm a guy who doesn't cover the American League East. I'm a guy who doesn't cover the Toronto Blue Jays. And I could tell you they've won their division one time in the last 20-plus years. One time. But you know what? I... We could have told you this when we had Scott Boris. I'm not even sure if you still have this piece of audio, but we had Scott Boris. Who, what, what, what draft pick was he with that one time we had him on the field? Well, we had him both times. Was it Logan Davidson? We had Davidson and when, when Max Muncy was drafted. Uh, I think it was Logan Davidson that Oh, year. Is, is this the? This is when I asked him about Matt Chapman, and he gave us like a five-minute answer. And that's <laughs> talking about ba- he talked about Major League Baseball having teams in Asia. Which, it was one of the most, I'm not going to answer your question, and I'm going to take this roller coaster ride of an answer all over the place and never answer your question. It was just like, what is he talking? I mean, is Matt Chapman interested in staying here long term? And then all of a sudden it turned into Major League Baseball playing, having teams in Asia, which I still don't even know how he got. My mind was spinning at that point. But I think I think I found it. By the way, uh, how long? It's a few minutes, so I don't know if we do two, play. two minutes and ten seconds. Okay, fine, let's play. He, but it just goes to show this is the mentality, right, of a Scott Boris client. A Scott Boris client. These guys, there was quite a few of them who were representing the players at the meetings between the owners and the players. By the way, every Scott Boris client who was either on that executive committee. I don't remember what the exact name of it was. It was the uh, players uh, subcommittee. The players subcommittee, there was eight of them. They all voted against it, but every guy was a Boris guy. And then the four representatives who voted against it, represented for teams, I want to say three of them, I think, or maybe four of them were Boris guys. Put it this way, every Boris guy voted against this latest CBA. Right? And this is the type of... You know, this is the type of player that, you know, Carlos Correa turns down $275 million. Now he's signing this, which I think is a good deal uh, for both Correa and the Twins. I'll go over that, uh, why it is a good deal. But, you know, it's why Chris Bryant signs a deal in Colorado and says, I'm here to win. It's why Matt Chapman turns down $150 million. By the way, uh, how many people in the A's fan base – what were your thoughts? I'd throw it out there if we could take calls. I'd throw it out there. When you heard that $150 million 
was offered. Clearly by far the most ever. Ten years. $150 million. I mean, that's life-changing. That's, forget life-changing money. It's, it's generational wealth was offered to a guy, and he turned it down. And he turned it down saying, well, the commitment of the organization. He says that after he had just been in the playoffs three out of four years, by the way. I have the direct quote from right here. And Ken Rosenthal's piece in The Athletic, it came out two days ago. Here's a quote from Matt Chapman to Ken Rosenthal. If it was a team that was going to compete and try for it for years to come, go for a World Series, kind of like the Blue Jays, an organization that wants to win, wants to do things, that's when I felt like something would make sense. I didn't want to commit to somebody when I wasn't sure what the future would look like. And you had just been to the playoffs three out of four years, and the year you, year you didn't go to the playoffs, you won 86 games. Yeah. And you're talking about the Blue Jays, who once again who have won their division one time over the last 20 years. Well, they're going for – just because you spend some money doesn't mean you win. Ask the San Diego Padres, who have won their division one time in the last 20-something years. And you think they'll win it this year? <laughs> no. Okay. That's year one of Bob Melvin's contract. Sorry, Bob, but yeah, no. Three years left out of that. Will, will the Padres win the division in any of the years? Melvin, Freddie Freeman, now everybody said, how great Freddie Freeman. Will they ever win a division while Bob Melvin's the manager? I'm going to have to say no. But yet, all Bob Melvin did was go to the playoffs and win with the A's. Fact. So it, it just it – just, but optics don't look good with the ballpark situation and still playing at the Coliseum. I'm not trying to apologize for anybody. I'm not trying to be a homer, even though it's probably going to sound like that. All I'm saying is check the facts. Check the records. Do you want to go how many games the A's are over 500 – versus the Padres in Bob Melvin's tenure. Do you want to go how many games the A's are over 500 in Matt Chapman's tenure versus the Toronto Blue Jays? So you leave a winning situation, and then you crap on it and say, well, these guys want to, okay, maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe Toronto is going to be a great team. On paper, they look like it. We don't know. And what happens if... Matt Chapman continues to be the same guy to where he hits 220, strikes out, strikes out 200 times a year, runs into 27, let's say 25 to 30 balls a year. That's something I texted Cody the, uh, Cody the other day. I said, do you realize you run into five balls a, five balls a month, right? Five times six is what? 30. 30 home runs. I run into five a month. We don't know what the score is. Score could be 8-1. You're, you're in the lead. You could be losing 8-1. You run into five balls a month, hit 220, and strike out over 200 times. Are you really that great of an offensive player? On paper, no. Right? I mean, I, it's a good ballpark to hit in. I, I'm not, I, I think Matt Chapman will end up having a bunch of home runs. I predicted Don, when Donald, Donaldson got traded, I said, hey, in that division, Donaldson, Donaldson, and of course, for a couple of years, Donaldson was hell on wheels, and Donaldson won an MVP. Since then, he's made a lot of money not playing a lot of games. That age regression model has not fared well for J.D., and the Yankees are taking a gamble on his money and his age. I just, what I don't want to do is crap on what this organization has done 
X amount of years of winning and being in the postseason. And they can get back to that pretty damn quick. We've seen that multiple times. But modern-day athletes want to jump ship so fast. Modern-day athletes want to talk about, oh, it's all about winning. Uh Uh-huh. All about winning. I mean, if you're all about winning, you would take good money. You wouldn't always take the top dollar if it was all about winning. You would go to the best situation. Like, if Carlos Correa was to say to me, I'm all about winning, why would you leave the Houston Astros? Why would you leave a situation where you're in the World Series or almost in the World Series every single year to sign with the Twins if you cared about winning? If you want to be about the dollar, I don't think in society for the most part that we're going to hate you for it. Capitalism, go ahead. If you care, hey, I'm looking... Who value who values me the most? Who's going to offer me the most money? Then just say it. But when you when you go like, "Huh, the Rockies up, uh, the Rockies? Oh, yeah, the Colorado Rockies are offering the most money in years. I'm going to Colorado, but I'm here because I want to win." Man, come on. Do you really sign a deal, Carlos Correa, which by the way, it's a brilliant deal. Essentially, he can walk after. It's a three-year deal. He can walk after the first two years. It's a great deal for Minnesota. We're basically paying him for one year. We know we may like we may like him. We give ourselves options. It's flexibility, right? Flexibility is the name of the game in our sport. I have the flexibility, if I'm the twins, to sign him long-term or let him walk. I can let him walk after three years. He can walk after one or two. You basically signed him to this deal to have a a top shortstop for one season. And it gives Correa the flexibility to wait for the market to kind of balance out, have a regular offseason, still young enough to get that big free agent contract. But, but Cody, do you really leave Houston to go to Minnesota? Because I want to win. The thing with – well, okay, let's, let's stick with Correa for a second since we're talking about him. He's now the highest-paid infielder in Major League Baseball, surpassing Angels third baseman Anthony Rendon, who can't stay healthy. So now Correa is going to make $35.1 million this year. If you look at it from his perspective, great deal for him. If he plays well, he can opt out and get more money because he'll be 28 entering the offseason next year. And the only other big free agent shortstop on the market next year, if this guy opts out, is Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox. There were absolutely no shortstops really on the market this year. They yeah. all turned out to be second basemen and outfielders. <laughs> yeah. And and what what's crazy about Correa now, thinking about the Twins, is say the Twins don't compete. Say they, they want to. They make all these moves. They get Sonny Gray. They get Isaiah Conner-Falefa. They get uh, Gary Sanchez to catch. When Dylan Bundy's one of your best pitchers. Topping out at 88. Uh, what they're going to do is if they're if they're bad, they could flip Correa at the deadline and get prospects back. Wait, wait, no. He went there to win. But the, the he qu- can't get flipped because he went there to win. Well, we'll see. I mean, it surprised everyone. I don't know if it surprised everyone as much as it, the uh, Carl or the Chris Bryant deal did when he signed with Colorado. But the Twins spending that kind of money on a player, you know, Correa is a great player. The back issue is always going to be something that lingers over him, just like Trevor Story with the the elbow, and that's why he's going to play second base for the Red Sox. But oh. when you when you think about Correa, I mean, he's going to be so young enough next year when he turns when he turns twenty. If he opts out, he can get that ten year, three hundred something million dollar deal. He'll be the next guy 
after what France, uh, Corey Seager to get a big deal. Now, if you look at Matt Chapman for when he's a free agent, he'll be entering his age 31 season. Yeah, I just like Freddie Freeman. Yeah, he might have to take a a six. He might take a six year deal, but is he going to get 200 million dollars? Eh, no. Who's gonna like for a guy that's OPS has declined the last three years? Who's who's gonna break the bank on a 31 year old Matt Chapman? Like if we went down the line of the last, I don't know, what what year would you want to go? 2010? Let's go down every World Series champion. How many guys was the third baseman the guy that led the team? Uh, there's one that pops off the top of my head. Well, David Freese in 2011 had a really good World Series for the, the but, Cardinals. But, but not, for the I, whole year – yeah. I mean, Pablo Sandoval, yeah, yeah, Sandoval. had a, but, but but I'm talking about where he was the dude of the team. Mustakis wasn't for the for the Royals. I mean, where he was was Bregman the dude for the Astros? No, because he was young. I will give. I'll get. I against my own argument, I will give you. I'll give you Bregman because. But that's year Altuve won the MVP, so Altuve was really the guy. Okay, then you're not getting it. I, I'm not only is he the dude, he's really he's a. Really focal point. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Then I would go Bregman. What uh, twenty eighteen was um, the Red Sox? Who was their third baseman? Year? Brock Holt. Um, I'd have to look at their team. Twenty nineteen was the Nationals. Uh, Rendon with the Nationals. He was really good for them that year. He was a focal point. So that's two maybe. And then, who, who was who was playing third for the Cubs? Uh, Chris Bryant. Eh, he played all over though. That's Chris Bryant's a tough one to. I mean, oh boy. Sorry, I'm the you can't. Play all right, this game. It's almost like we ought to turn the TV off when they do the show, because <laughs> you, 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 you. They can't see what you're talking about. Just a tapper back to the mound that he overthrew the Brady Singer overthrew the home plate. I don't. I I'd have to go to, but Chris Bryant played all over the diamond. So Rendon and Bregman would be the two off the top. Mustakis would be in 15, right? Yeah. Sandoval Sandoval didn't even play in 2010. He wasn't even a part of it. Eleven would have been David Freese with the. Now, if the Rangers would have won the World Series, you can absolutely say Adrian Beltre, but they didn't win. So it's like, uh, how much money are you going to invest into a third? Let me let me throw this out there. If you had to bet, will Matt Chapman get an offer ever in his career again of 150 or more? I'm going to say no. I think he'll get slightly under that, but I think he'll get. He won't get 150 million unless I could. No, I could be wrong. He can go out oh, there. Yeah, you could be wrong. He could go out and have a monster year, and someone gives him yeah. 200 million. I mean, he had a home run in spring training yesterday. But, but the way baseball is going, oh god, I saw that. So did Kevin Smith from the A's, the guy that came Stop. over in the deal. So hey, okay. they both have a home run. <laughs> if Matt Chapman gets over 150, I'll be happy for him. But there are, you know, if he continues to strike out a lot. And, and here's the other thing. Now you're going to play, even though it's a better turf, now you're going to play on turf, and you see what that did to Donaldson. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's just I, – I, I, I hate to start the show out like this, but it just it just bugged me over the weekend. Like, I'm going somewhere to win. You were just here and won. You're in the playoffs three out of four years. It was almost four years in a row. And you won a division title. How many how many players in the history of baseball could say they went to the play like if the A's would have not faltered at the end and let's and I know it's hypothetical and Jim Harbaugh would say 
Hypotheticals. You could have been to the playoffs four straight years. How many players in the history of baseball ever were on a team that went to the playoffs four straight years? You know that's a really small amount. That's a really, really, really – because years ago it was a lot harder to make the postseason. Most players in their career will never go three years in a row. A lot of players never go at all. And we got guys jumping ship now, crapping on what, what – like, you had a good run. Don't crap on the run on your way out. I guess, you know what, moral of the story, that would be it for me. You had a good run, and you did something that – and I know in Oakland people go, it's World Series or bust. They, th- this, th- this group of crop of players had a pretty good run, better than most. We could go down the line. I could say, okay – as Detroit, you know, where's Detroit been lately or Philly or Seattle? You know, you could go down the line of all these teams that have not won. You can go through just decades of baseball, of players that never went to the playoffs three straight years. So let's not just all of a sudden just crap on everything that went on here. And to say it can't happen really again that fast. You know, because that would be the thing. It's like in two years, I could be interviewing Matt Chapman going, hey, remember when you said that? You're not even with Toronto anymore. You're a Boris client. You, you're now in, give me a team. You're now in Arizona because you got a three-year, $60 million deal. Yay! He wanted to be close to home like Chris Bryant. It was, oh, it yeah. Was the, one of the best quotes from Chris Bryant is, uh, they were saying, is that it's closer to Vegas for him. And he ne- he's never been on a losing team, and he wants to win. Wait. And that roster is ready to win. So you're telling me, what is the difference a flight from Chicago to from to, f- Chicago to Vegas, from Denver to Vegas? First of all, the Denver airport alone, if you've never been there, middle of nowhere, is literally <laughs> 50 miles outside. It's it's like an hour drive. So that makes up right there. That makes up the hour you might find that out. Can you find that out? I'm looking up. Here, which one? I'll do the other one. I'm doing Denver to Vegas. Okay. Chicago to Las Vegas. Nonstop on Southwest. It's two hours. Uh, Vegas to Chicago is estimated flight time, three hours and 22 minutes. So an hour and 20, an hour and a half difference. But once again... 50 miles outside of Denver is the airport. 50 miles. Dude, it's like if you've never been there, it's like so it's the the time you think you save moving to Colorado, you just spent driving to the airport. And by the way, it literally takes – now, I've done it two ways. I've done it as a – as a it's someone in a normal car, and I've done it in a NFL police house escort – Raiders to the airport, everybody get out of the way. It still takes almost an hour. I'm now heated about this. Where is G. Kipe, Glenn Kuiper? How are you, Glenn? Hi, Tommy. Good to see you, buddy. How are you? Are, are, are You're down at spring training. That's what I heard on the radio broadcast, correct? I was. Uh, came back yesterday. We were, or I was there from uh, Tuesday to Sunday last week. So um, back in the Bay Area, but then going back the next, two weekends to uh, do some TV and radio work. So looking forward to that. 
you know, before we, we get into our, our usual shenanigans, just, you know, obviously your longtime partner, and I, I know the love that you have for Ray and what, you know, we've talked so much about what he meant to the organization. Just, you know, what was it like going down to spring training? It's just obviously it's going to be sad, a little uncomfortable, Just but just what was it like? Yeah, you know what, it, it, it is. It, 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 it's been hard. Um, and I knew spring training would be strange because that's when you, you know, you, when you first saw him getting ready for the season and he was always there and, you know, then he's not there. Um, so yeah, it, it, I thought a lot about it. Um, it'll be hard during the season. You know, I mean, I saw him every day, um, sat next to him every day, sat next to him on the plane, sat next to him on the bus. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be one of those years where there's going to be times where, um, you know, you're going to get a little emotional maybe, or just have some thoughts to yourself about it, but he will be missed. Um, you know, one of the hardest things that I've kind of fought about with the, with what happened to Ray was, you know, we just didn't really get a chance to, I didn't really get a chance to, to, you know, say goodbye to him or talk to him at the end. You know, he had a tough night at the Coliseum where he just was not doing very good in the beginning of August. And, you know, the ambulance came and they took him out of there. And that's the last time I saw him. Um, you know, so that's, that's been hard. That's something that has sort of stuck with me that, you know, I just, you know, this is, you know, my broadcast partner for 18 years and I really didn't get a chance to, to say goodbye to him, you know? So, but that doesn't mean we're not going to, um, we're going to talk about Ray. We're going to, you know, we're going to honor Ray all year long. And it's well-deserved because he, he was an A through and through man. And uh, he was a special guy and he, he will be missed. He's got a big place in my heart um, forever. Um, but, you know, life goes on, baseball goes on, but man, he, he, we're going to miss him a lot. There's no doubt about it. And one thing that he loved is he loved the young players. He loved communicating with the young guys and talking shop with the young guys. You got to see some. You're going to be back there. So just kind of give us the vibe uh, first couple days of what games look like down in the Cactus League. Well, listen, I mean, it's, it's always hard at the beginning of spring training, even though this year it's a shortened spring training. But you know, the first couple weeks are hard. There's just you, you want to see – the, the the guys that are going to be on the team, but you also realize that it's a chance to to check out younger players as well. So y- y- that's just the way it is the first couple of weeks. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of new faces in the clubhouse. I mean, there's there's a lot of nameplates up there that you don't fully recognize. It's like that in most parks, but you know, you, there's trades that were made. You get a lot of younger players, and some of them are in big league camp. Um, you know, so it's just, it's a tough way to evaluate. It's, it's always been a joke of my Tony, where you go to spring training the first couple of weeks and you come back home and you have fans go, Hey, how does the team look? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know because, you know, I didn't see, you know, Elvis Andrus playing and, and, you know, Laureano and that kind of thing. So um, it's, it's an interesting time for the A's and listen, we are going to see some young guys. That's just the reality of it but it's going to take us a while to kind of get to know all these guys and, you know, see what they're all about. 
Well, just to give you an idea, right now we are watching the Angels and the Royals on MLB uh, <laughs> Network, and the defensive end for the Royals, number 90, just struck out. 90. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's right. That uniform number is not going to make it to opening day, I don't think. It's it's so odd to look at. Like, that guy's really – like. He's wearing 90, so always uh, <laughs> always interesting. Uh, you know, one thing that I'm kind of chapped about today, and I guess it's been brewing in me, and now that we're going to see some guys leave, and whether you consider it taking shots or not at the organization, it's, it's like everybody's forgetting that this group of, of players – just just had four straight seasons over 500. Just had four straight seasons where they almost made the playoffs. They made the playoffs three out of four years, and their bad year was 86 wins. And they're heading to new organizations. I'm not talking about Matt Olson, but I look at like Chapman. I look at Melvin. They're heading to organizations that haven't really won anything in a long, long time. And everybody's acting like the grass is greener. But let's not forget... Glenn, most players will never play on a team that goes to the playoffs three straight years or even have the four-year run uh, that uh, that these guys had. I mean, you lived it as a kid with Ray and your brother in Cleveland. They never went to the playoffs three straight years or had four really good years. No, absolutely. I think it says a lot about, you know, the quality that the team has been the last three, four years. And, and, I, and I, you know, I think – if this team would have stuck together this year, I think they would have had a chance to be a postseason team again this year because the starting rotation, pretty good. Um, if you would have kept Bassett and uh, you know the the offense, there's there's enough good offensive players, but that that was not uh, what would what the plan was. And and yeah, but I think it does say a lot about about how good this team was. Um, and, and you know, I, I tell people, Tony, and, and you know it too, is if you look at the A's history. If you, if you go on, you know, some of the websites that I go to, you know, roster resource or, you know, all those that, that show what the teams have done over the years. If you just look at the history of the A's in Oakland, starting in 1968, it is extremely consistent. Three, four, five good years, three, four down years. It just goes, it goes almost in four or five year increments. Good, bad good, bad, all the way through, all the way through up until last year. Um, it's almost remarkable how consistent it is um, with good stretch, and then you rebuild a little bit. Um, so none of us are surprised by this, but it doesn't make it easier. And I know it's hard for the fans. I understand. Um, and then there's there's uncertainty, you know, with the ballpark and, and that type of thing. So it's not an easy time right now for the athletics organization because they have a lot of stuff going on. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't look ahead to the future and think of, you know, there could be a lot of good things going on with, with an influx to your minor league system. Hopefully the stadium situation, you know, continues to move forward in the right direction. Um, you know, and that's just the way we have to look at it. It's not always easy, but that's sort of the reality of it. When you think about Mark Kotze and him being around, he has the trust of the organization. 
because of this long relationship with, with, with Billy and David, and then you think about as a player, and then, of course, them bringing him back, and he really considers himself in Oakland A, and he carries that cachet of a former player, and then as a coach with a lot of these young guys and, you know, the knowledge that he has of the organization, the relationship with he has with the fellow coaches and managers in the minor leagues, and then now being around the big club for years and gaining that respect. It, that, doesn't it seem like to you he just he seems like the perfect fit for where this organization is right now? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, I think he was their ace first choice all along. He's a great guy. I mean, this is an A1 plus guy here. Um, and he's going to do, he's going to be a good manager. He'll have some, some, you know, there's going to be a learning curve. I think it helps that he'll have Brad Osmus as his bench coach. Osmus has managed in the big leagues. I think that's important. But yeah, and I, we were, we had an ace party on Friday night and David Forrest was, on our panel, as was Dave Cavill and Mark Kotze. And, you know, David said that. He said, listen, this this courtship of Mark Kotze, you know, where we've always liked him and he's always liked the organization, he's always wanted to be a manager. And he said, this has been going on for 15 years. So so none of us are real surprised that Kotze is the manager. Um, and I think it's a great choice. It, it, it's, you know, he's got a lot to handle right now in his first year as a manager with with the trading of popular players, also players that are regulars. Um, and it's a shortened spring training. And so he's got a lot going on, um, but he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And um, to be able to go from Bob Melvin for what, 10, 11 years, all the success that Bob had. And then you hand it over to a guy like Mark Kotze, even though it's, he's a first time manager. Um, I, I think it's great for the organization now and into the future because he's going to be a good manager for a long time. So earlier today, I was working on my new studio. You're going to love the new studio. We've rebuilt the Townsend studio. Um, we're going to have to have you down as we're going to be doing some video stuff from there. You're really going to like it. Uh, so we're redoing it, and I'm listening to SiriusXM, and I'm listening to a general manager, and he brought, we're they're talking about the topics of like starting pitching and how the Angels are Angels are going to go the six man rotation again, and they start talking about well, you know what, the average team uses 13 starters a year, and I just kind of like it stopped me in my tracks. I went, that's true, but my God, how's there's not enough starting pitching to go go around. I mean, how scary is that when you really think about it, that the average team will have 13 different guys start a game? Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's sort of the way it's going now. And, and you know, the problem with that, Townie, is if that's the average, well, the guys, the, the, the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth guy to start, probably not guys you want to have out there anyways. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's, I mean, that's just sort of a reality thing, but you do. And managers will, will tell you that now general managers, man, you got to have, you, you almost have to have seven or eight legitimate guys, even if they're veterans that may, maybe they're in triple a and maybe they're, they're just staying ready for you, but they've started some games before. I think you have to have that now um, injuries you know, watching guys, being careful with innings and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
but that that's also one of the reasons why you know like with the A's even had last year where they really ran the same five guys out there a good chunk of the season and I thought that was great you know where you know who starts and you know he's going to give you a pretty good outing but those days you just don't see that so much anymore um, and it's funny you see teams now that have look like they have a decent starting rotation and all of a sudden they'll sign another guy and then another guy just to just to have them ready and have them set to to cover innings if, if need be um, so yeah it's it's kind of a the way baseball is going now I don't know that I necessarily like it but but that's the reality of it. You better have a host of starters and you better have some guys in AAA that are ready to, to come up and even make two or three starts for you just to save your main rotation, guys. But, uh, welcome to baseball nowadays, right? Oh, it is just, you know, Max Scherzer today went five innings and everybody went, oh, my God. I, it's like. Good for him. <laughs> you're, you would have thought he threw a complete game. Yeah. That's, you know what, though, that. That's great. I mean, that's that's what you need to do. Let's go. You know, I mean, I, I I like it the fact that you know normal spring training guys their first outing they'll throw one inning. Well, now they're throwing two or three, which is perfect. Um, but you know, we're not that far away, Tony. I mean, was it two and a half weeks and it's go time? So, so I think guys are accelerating their their outings and and you know, too. I think what's happening, Tony, is you mentioned a lot of young guys playing. I think that's common around spring training this year is I don't think you're going to see regulars maybe playing a lot early, but maybe that last week to 10 days, they'll start getting after it a little bit. doesn't mean they're not getting there at bats on backfield and that type of thing. But, but, and you may see, you may see veteran players, regular players, maybe resting a little bit more at the beginning of the year. Too. So you know, I think that'll be something to watch, and you may have you may have rosters that are expanded by a player or two as well. I know that's something that is still being discussed by the players' union and Major League Baseball, but I think that is going to happen. Whether it be one extra guy on the roster or two extra guys for a limited period of time at the beginning of the year. Is there anybody, young guy, in camp while you were down there, or maybe while you're doing your work, that you go? This guy in interests me. I'm really interested to see how he is going to pan out. He may not even be a guy slated to even have a shot this year at the big club, but obviously it could be something later on. Is there one name out there you're really looking at in this short spring? Well, I, listen, there, there's there's a lot of new new names, obviously, and, and I think your eyes kind of go toward the guys that have been acquired in these these most recent trades I'm looking forward to seeing the you know the center fielder that the A's got from the Braves Pache you know I I I saw him a little bit with the Braves on TV but you don't think much of it but um, he has a chance to break with the team out of spring training and he's supposed to be like as good of a defensive outfielder as you've ever seen I mean we're talking 80 grade defensive outfielder which is the absolute highest grade you can get so we'll see with him. He may be your opening day center fielder. I don't know. But um, as far as guys that are close and have a chance to, to help the team this year, that would be the guy that I would watch the most because he does have a little bit of big league time. And remember, there's going to be an opening in center field for 
for the first month of the season because Laureano is going to be out with the suspension. So he may get a shot early on, and if he can hold his own offensively, you know, then you may slide Laureano to a corner spot or something like that. I mean, that's all down the road a little bit, but but I am looking forward to seeing Christian Pache play center field because it's supposed to be a treat. Yeah, to see a guy go get it and be young and uh, fearless yeah. is, is always, I mean, right? It's a lot of fun to watch when someone's like, I don't care. Wherever that ball goes, I'm going to do everything I can humanly possible to get it. Yeah, and, and you know what, Tony, too? Human nature is like, I want to see some of the guys that we got back in these trades. But the reality is a lot of these guys are younger, um, you know, low, low levels of the minor leagues. Um, a lot of the pitchers are low level minor leagues. They have a chance to be really good, but we may not see them for a year or two. Um, but you know, that's just kind of the way it is. You know, you, you trade Matt Olson, you're like, well, I want to see who we got back. But sometimes you got to be patient with that. And I think that's the case with with a good share of the pitchers that the A's got in these trades. All righty, my friend. So when are you going back down? Going back Saturday. We're televising uh, Sunday. I'm actually going to do a little radio this spring just, just to help out a little bit. So the radio next week from today i'm going to be doing it with uh great vince catronio so um it'll be a a weekend of work in arizona uh starting saturday but looking forward to getting back there and uh before you know it we'll be in philadelphia for the opener how about that uh, i cannot wait it's gonna be fantastic <laughs> that that game on sunday is that a night game no nope it's a uh one o'clock game i'm just double checking here and uh, it's against the Seattle Mariners at Hohokam Stadium in beautiful Mesa, Arizona. So that's where we'll be. So that'll be Sunday. Oh, that, that's like on, to, N- on NBC Sports California. It's like today. I was trying to say, like, you know, I mean, these spring training games, it's perfect. You know, a lot of people still working from home. And, you know, I was watching Yankees, Phillies right now. We got Angels, Royals. It's a Monday. This is what's great about spring training. Just got baseball going on during the day. You guys are going to be on on that Sunday. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, did Otani pitch today? I thought he was supposed to pitch today or tomorrow. He's on the mound as we speak. There you go. And once again, and once again, he struck out number ninety. <laughs> Ninety's got no chance. No, yeah, ninety. I don't think we're going to see ninety in the big leagues this year. But you know what do I know? Probably not. <laughs> All right, Tony. Hey, I can't wait to see you at the ballpark, and uh, let's talk again maybe before the season starts. All right, buddy. Be well. All right, see you, Tony. The great Glenn Kuyper right here on A's Cast Live. Yes, it is one nothing. Uh, Angels over the Royals in the top of the third inning from Tempe Diablo Stadium in beautiful Tempe, Arizona. And a ball to the wall. And, and that will be a triple. It was a nice effort by the guy they wanted to replace Mike Trout with in center field, Brandon Marsh. Couldn't get make the catch, though. You want to replace Mike Trout with this guy?
Is Rendon is Rendon playing this year? Is, uh, he, is he still is he still in the big leagues? He's supposed to be back sometime this week. I mean, my, I mean that deal. Uh, remember, he was the highest paid infielder for Correa signed that deal. Seven years, two hundred and forty five million dollars coming off of that good year in twenty nineteen. After the the Nats won the World Series, he signed that deal at eight thirty. Is Matt Chapman gonna sign a deal like that at age thirty one? I don't think so, unless he. Hits 50 home runs in each of the next two years in Toronto, and the Blue Jays win the World Series. I don't think he's going to match that offer. Now, he's a better defensive third baseman than Rendon, but uh, offensively, I think Rendon's a little bit better as an overall hitter. Like I said, Matt Chapman, OPS has been down the last three years. His OPS plus in 2021 was league average. He struck up 200 times. Only two players did that in the league, him and Joey Gallo. So it's uh, we'll see when Rendon comes back because – you put him in their lineup, their lineup on paper looks pretty good. Again, they're going to go with a six-man rotation, just like last year, and you're going to set everyone back, and you don't have Dylan Bundy, the workhorse, in your rotation anymore. But you do got Noah Syndergaard, so that's that's exciting if you're an Angels fan. Yeah, 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 six-man, right? you know, the way the sport's going, it's almost a must. And now with so many openers and what is starting pitching really, and I hate to say it, unless something flips, what is starting rotation? What is it? You know, it's it's like you just you, – you need guys, you know, the positionless staff that we've talked about. I mean, you just – you need guys to just get you innings till the middle of the end of the game. It's the reason why Las Vegas is now – Probably the number one bet in, ba- in baseball is the first five innings. Because after the first five innings, I mean, the average start is a five. The average start is five and a third innings, which I think is even high. I was shocked to hear that. But after five and a third, it's bullpen time, which is the complete unknown. It's the unknown. Bullpen guys are good one year, horrendous the next. Consistency in bullpens are never there. So it's like. You know, what is your starting rotation? Well, the A's the A's led the league in innings pitch for a starting rotation, which you'd think, God, that would have been such a huge plus. They've got to make the playoffs. Nope, they didn't. They won 86 games. Good year, but it didn't translate to a phenomenal year. So where the game is going is kind of it's it's kind of an unknown. How are you going to get 27 outs? I mean, just do the math. You got 100 you got 162 games. You got to get 27 outs a game. That's a tremendous amount of outs. And that's not even counting extra innings. Just do that. 27 Where's Alexa when I need her? In my house we got Alexa. Alexa, what's 162 times 27? We have, we have Google in our house. What do you got? Um, one. How many la- how many outs is that? Not counting extra innings. Four thousand three hundred seventy four. Four thousand three hundred seventy four. Yeah. How are you going to get four thousand three hundred seventy four outs in a season? How are you going to do it? You're going to do it all with a bunch of random bullpen guys. That's how you're going to do it. That's the plan. So the White Sox are looking to do. Good luck. Look, look how many relievers the White Sox signed this offseason. I was having this conversation with a friend about the White Sox. They're like, I really like the. Ro- yeah, but they're going to get rid of one. 
So they're going to be back to kind of the big, the big two, even though they got other guys. But um, they're probably going to make a trade. Is so Tani done or is he ending over? Oh, Tani's done. Uh, Tani is done for the day. Was it two and he went two and a third, allowed one run with a guy on first base. So Otani, uh, not a bad. He hit someone too. I saw him hit someone in the uh, left shoulder, left arm. So there's your first start for Otani. Where Max Scherzer at eight thirty-seven went five innings today. What he, is what I? What is the value of a guy? You remember, you know, I, I love hearing former players talk about it. Oh, he couldn't, you know, he's worth twenty something million as a as a hitter, and he's worth you know forty million as a. Okay, I can't get him to play every day. I can't even get him to pitch once every six days. If you're telling me I can't pitch him more than once a week, I'm gonna tell you he's not all that valuable as a pitcher. He better win almost every game. Or we as a team, since you want to devalue the win for the pitcher, let's just say the win for the team still matters. Do wins for teams still matter? They're important still. Okay. So if the team wins when he pitches, okay. But if I'm only getting one start a week out of him, I don't know really what his value – is his value that great as a pitcher? I, I No. I mean, because he's not pitching – he's not available as – it's much more you know you know Max Scherzer is going to give you thirty starts thirty plus starts at age thirty seven, you know like go this go back goes back to the two hundred innings um, threshold, and I you texted me earlier that the GM we can out him because he was on we know it was Perry Manassi and the GM of the Angels, he said that you know the what, it, I believe it was him he said that said about how there's uh, two hundred innings is a thing of the past essentially with starting pitchers. Do you know how many guys went two hundred or more innings last year in Major League Baseball? In a full 162 game season, let, I let let well yeah four, but I don't think this is that was a good barometer. This year will be a good barometer okay. well, because you're you're coming off you're coming off COVID, shortened season, a lot of craziness. This will be a good year to actually say, okay, where are we when it comes to innings pitched? Because don't give me they had a shorter spring training, and that's – I mean, now you're just always trying to find an excuse why you don't want your starters to be out there. So if you go back and look at 2000 – I have it right here. If you go back and look – just go go back to 2000, uh, 2011. 39 pitchers went 200 or more innings, and two guys, Edwin Jackson and Bronson Arroyo, each had 199 innings pitched. In 2012, there were 31, and then Gio Gonzalez finished with 199. So almost 32 guys – one almost two, one two hundred or more innings, in in two thousand. I mean, I'm looking up 2019, the last full season before COVID nineteen, and the, you know the there was a full spring training and everything. There were fifteen guys in 2019 that went two hundred or more innings. Fifteen. So yeah, it dropped off to four, but that's because we know what the issues were with shortened spring training in 2020, and the guys weren't ramped up, and last year and everything was a little different. So fifteen guys in 2019. So the number has been dropping off forever. Since 2012, you want to go back that far. Corbin Burns won the Cy Young last year, pitching 167 innings. Robbie Ray won the Cy Young in the American League, pitching 193 in the third innings. So the threshold of what where these guys are going to be going, I completely agree. I think the 200 innings is not somehow we can evaluate pitches anymore. What was the thing we talked about going into the year last year? The Rays wanted to start using – they wanted to use 10 different guys to get 100 innings for them. Now, in theory, I have the Rays – 
page pulled up. Let me just find it because uh, I was looking through every team, who, how many starts each team made, what their starting pitchers. You, you mentioned 13 starters. The A's used nine last year. The Angels used 17 if you include openers. 17 different pitchers. Yeah, so that number of the average team does 13, well, that's because you're averaging everybody. Oof. I mean, well, I'd also like to see how many of those guys are not openers. I mean, how, many, how many, like, real st- – that this – well, you got to average it in. It is what it is. You got 30 teams. How many guys started games? But I'd also like to see what is the average a team uses non-relievers. Yeah, it's a good point. Like I'm, I'm just looking at the race because they, they want they're trying to do that hundred inning th- uh, model. They had four guys go hundred, and they had two guys go over eighty five. So they had six guys go eighty five or more innings last year for them. They used a grand total, including openers, uh, fifteen different starters. Fifteen. Brent Honeywell Jr. was one of them. He was an opener. He just started again. Actually, he was an opener for them. So the the starting the starting pitching is going to look completely different. That's why when I always tell you about how they evaluate guys anymore for pitching. It's so different now because of the way the game's changed. Now, I'll always have my view on the win, but. Okay, that's great. Then basically you go tell the player, we're not going to pay you guys big money anymore because I'm devaluing everything that you do. Essentially, that's what. So get ready for that because we just went through a 99 day lockout where the players said, you don't value us. And guys like you bitched and complained that you didn't work. But then you want to turn around now that we're back working again and you want to devalue what they do. So we're going to be at this every year. I know. Well, that's that's the way it's going. Like, it's unfortunate because the, the position like players. This, so at some point, and I'm not I'm not going to be pro management or pro player here, but at some point, what do we value? What, 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 what like, obviously, these dudes got to be compensated. Oh, of course. So what do we value? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It seems like any more teams are valuing, just from like what I've been paying attention to, they value outs over anything, obviously. But they value strikeouts so much. But they're, not every guy's a strikeout pitcher. So you're going to get contract. Hey, we'll talk about this. And it's amazing the insurance people are buying. We don't really think about it, but... Certain teams are buying insurance, and it really might be paying off. We'll talk about next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the East Bay. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, now that I think about it, I don't think anybody cares. But it it, it is it is part of the problem with the sport. And why its popularity is hurt is they've made the game, in some ways, not really fun. And when we talk about players, and I mentioned this during the CBA, which once again isn't fun. It's like baseball's becoming a 
a content provider. Like the names on the back of the jerseys don't matter. It's just the fact that the A that the how's to say the A's the uh that baseball has a lot of games to offer. So all these platforms that need content, the cable networks, the uh, Apple TVs of the world, and now Peacock and, you know, who, who Amazon and who, all these people that need content, baseball is important because baseball provides a lot of content. It's every day. That's where the value is. And then inside the sport, the people running the sport, because, you know, this really shouldn't be thrown on the owners. And I could be way out of school here, but for, for the most part, the owners, um, I don't know how many of them are really involved. You know, it's like the owners, it's, it's like there is a race to see who can win the most games the cheapest. That's like that's like the how you're going to get valued is probably no one would admit to this, but probably the number one thing you want to be valued as is how much do you pay per win? Like, can you be the guy that shows up to the GM meetings and go, you know what? My team won 92 games and I only paid X. And what we saw was that was a problem in the CBA. Like, we're finding every way to figure out, well, we're not going to pay this guy because of his age, and we're not going to pay this guy because of his numbers. We're not going to pay this guy. We're always finding a way not to pay. Well, then that's when you have the problem that we just had for 99 straight days. At some point, these guys do need to be compensated, and it's becoming a very hard question, but for the most part, I don't think people like the average fan, like I'm I'm watching a game right now. It's the Angels and the Royals, and all these fans are sitting out there in the beautiful weather, and they got sunglasses on, you got a beer, you got a hot dog. They don't care if this guy's getting getting paid off his weighted runs created plus. That's not why they're there. So it's kind of like, what do we need to do as a show? Because we're here to entertain, but that kind of stuff really isn't entertaining. And that's why I think MLB Network's a great example. Um, our old buddy told us this, and God, why is his – I can't name – what's our old A's outfielder? He's not with him anymore. Blonde. Uh, Triathloner. Oh, Eric Burns. Eric Burns told us, he goes – yeah, the minute they can get spring training games on, their ratings dwarf like a show like MLB Now or High Heat or whatever. That the ratings just absolutely dwarf it People because people just want to watch the game. So if we, like, dig into this, well, look what the Rays do, and the Rays won't have a, this many guys do innings pitch. And no one cares about Rays. Not even, like, people in their own area care about Rays baseball. <laughs> Unfortunately, because they're a pretty good team. But, yeah, but, but you're right. But they're – they're a good, boring team. That's pretty well put. Yeah. I'd yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's like I wonder. Like football, what makes the NFL great is that you got a car crash on every play. It's entertaining as hell, right? You got the biggest, strongest, fastest human beings locking horns, doing crazy stuff. 
The NBA is entertaining as hell because you got these freaks that are all like 6'8 to 7-something running up and down the floor doing crazy things. Baseball, we want to believe it's like, like, like Trout's at the plate right now and you got these great athletes and everything, but now it's like turned into like how do we – how do we maximize and cheap and not spend? Like, it's like they've turned. I don't know why I got off on this, but it's just, it's like, where are we really going with the sport? Like, how is it entertaining to be like, well, I'm going to value these random ass numbers. And that's what, that's why you're going to get me to give my time and effort for three, three and a half hours. That's what you're saying is a good point because I'll, I'll tie the comparison into watching the NBA. Watching the NBA, you could watch a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder, who literally have a bunch of young guys, probably in their early, you know, their late teens, like 19 to the early 20s on their team. And I was watching them play the Warriors a few weeks ago. It might have been a month or a month and a half ago. And I'm watching them, and I'm like, you know what? Like, if you're not, if you're a casual fan, you're not going to sit here and watch them play because you, you don't know anything about them. But the game was still entertaining to watch because. They have young players that play in the game as fast, and it and it and it gets done in two hours because the clock helps. But the game's fast and it's entertaining. Or you're trying to get people to watch a baseball game. There's so much dead time in between. Guys stepping in the box, adjusting their gloves, and I don't know why they looked on the third baseline. It signs because every guy's just trying to hit home run anymore. So, what watching basketball, watching like the, a team like the Thunder, or you know, back in the day, I'm a Sixers fan, but watching the Sixers tank all those years, and they're actually good now. But the game was so entertaining. They were they were fun to watch because they were so bad. Like, what baseball team do you say is really fun to watch even though they stink? Do people enjoy watching the Orioles? I don't. And I, I want to see them turn it around. But I don't enjoy watching them play. I'm not going to sit there. Well, I'm a bad example. I probably will. But still, I'm just saying I'm not going to sit there on a Saturday afternoon and watch the, the Orioles take on the Nationals in the, in the Beltway Series. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit there and do that. But in the NBA, if it's the Lakers who are terrible – Versus the, uh, the the Knicks, like I might put it on if that's on, like because it, it, it's more exciting, and it's that's the way that they need to be able to grab the the fans with the excitement. Now, watching Trout, watching Otani, there's so many guys that are, are in the sport that are entertaining, but it's just the way the game is played. I think is what's keeping fans away from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, thank God that no matter who's playing it or who's running it, the actual basis of the sport is still great. Yeah. That that that's the, the the essence of what baseball is and the fan experience is great. It's just it's gotten just kind of weird though. Like the moneyball thing was cool, but now it's gotten really into a um it's gotten into a weird place. I guess is a simple way to put it. The game's in the, the game kind of doesn't know what it wants to be right now, right? It's going way longer, but they want to be faster. We want to highlight the athletes, but really, we we really crap on everything about them, so we don't have to pay them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a weird. It's like a instead of like like what well, we should pump up players. Well, if you pump up players, you got to pay them. So it's kind of like this weird like, what do we value? We value stuff. Well, that'll the, the, the stuff we the stuff that you value. That's fun. We think doesn't matter anymore, and what we think matters actually isn't very fun. Like weird metrics aren't fun. Like a home run is simple, right? It's it's a home run, 
Ball was hit. Ball goes over the wall. People stand up. People applaud. It's exciting. I can take that highlight, and then I can throw it on MLB Network. I can throw it on ESPN, and it's a highlight. It's fun. People dance up and high-five. No one dance up and high-fives for a ex-fip. Your ex-fip. <laughs> That's fair. Right? Yeah, or, you know, hey, this guy had, this guy had one 0 for 1 with three walks, but his on-base percentage was through the roof. Like you didn't say, oh, I'm going to – I'll bet you beer that this guy, whatever metric you want to throw in there. You know, I mean, it's like – it's it's it, we got to figure out a way to sell it better I, yeah. and make it fun again. Like what gets – like this is a really bad example. The last couple off-seasons have been, have been a bad example because of COVID and then the lockout this year. But what do people, what do fans get excited about with the NBA in the in the NFL more than anything besides watching the games? They get excited for the NFL offseason. They get excited for the NBA offseason. We know this because we were a part of it when we worked in sports talk. Every year you look forward to who's who's going to sign with the Niners, who's going to sign with the Raiders, are the Warriors going to get Kevin Durant, like that whole thing. In, in baseball, you're sitting here and it's just like you don't you know the teams some teams aren't going to want to spend the money on a guy. My, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, two members of the three hundred million dollar club, uh, million three hundred million dollar contract club, didn't sign until spring training. Do you think Kevin Durant's going to sit around through uh, NBA preseason till he signs a contract? No, they they do those two sports do such a great job at making the off season seem so much bigger. Um, where baseball was starting to get that way, like the Fraser frenzy before the lockout was awesome, and then what we've seen after. Aside from the, the moves that the A's have made, like it's because you know it hurts because the fans, everything because of watching the team. But we've seen a lot of movement. It's been exciting. It, it it's unfortunate it took a lockout for that to happen, but people are starting to get invested a little bit, and because no one wanted to hear about the money. Like how many times you sit around with pe- uh, friends watching a game, and you sit there and go, "Oh man, you know I can't I can't watch Jimmy Garoppolo play anymore because he makes too much money." No, you're talking about the plays he doesn't make. In baseball, I think you talk, you, people talk more about players' salaries than they do any other sport. And I think that's a problem because they see so many guys underperform, but they get valued so much because they're making so much money. Well, you know, a guy like Joey – I hate to throw Joey Gallo on the bus, but he's a good example of a guy where people love – they love talking about him, watching him play, but he hits for, you know, 200 average and strikes out 200 times. But people enjoy it, and then they talk about his salary after. Where in the NFL – if Matthew Stafford plays bad for Detroit, he's playing bad, but no one's talking about his money. I, you know, would be what would be interesting to find out is how do they cover the soccer guys? Because soccer dudes make crazy money. So, yeah, in the European European soccer. Players, yeah, yeah, like 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 in the Premier League, they make more than baseball players do. Oh, they got yeah. Look at the transfer fees that these guys could pay. Like, do they league. like? Oh, he scored a goal, but he's making forty five million dollars a year. This is a really bad impression of a soccer yeah. guy. Um, and I get that. But like, do they do they like do they go over that like we do? Like, well, you know, look, Trout's got a he's got four hundred thirty five million. By the way, getting on the security blanket thing, um. And it leads me to Trevor's story. Xander Bogarts has an opt-out. Yeah. And yeah. it makes me think of Trey Turner and Corey Seager. Because you're like, why Why would the – and it's like, God, the Dodgers are smart. Why would the Dodgers trade and get Trey Turner? And he's a shortstop. I guess you can move him to second. Because the whole time they were like, man, we're going to re-sign Corey Seager. Probably not. Who's his agent? Scott Boris. 
So they probably the whole time knew he's going to want so much money. We're not going to want to pay him. And guess what we're going to do? We'll just move Trey Turner over when this guy signs some incredibly ridiculous deal. And here we go, talking about money again, even though I don't want to talk about money. We're drawn back into it. They keep bringing me back in. But they got Trey Turner now, and they're fine. Well, that's the same thing with Trevor Story. You put Trevor Story over to second base for the Red Sox at a, at a very, at a very uh, affordable price for him, and if Bogarts leaves, his arm gets healthy, he's your shortstop next year. I mean, makes sense. It's good business. You, you've given yourself not only insurance, but you've also given yourself some leverage. That's really smart to do for these some of these teams. And this was supposed to be like the craziest free agent shortstop class of all time and this these guys and blah 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 and it's it really has turned out to be a dud because some of them are not even going to be shortstops hell some of them won't be infielders and watching these guys sign before like get like if you're like Marcus Simeon get yours before the lockout and then now now at you know and then god if you're if you're Carlos Correa you turn down I don't know if we'll ever really know. I, I know our, our our buddy John Morosi has said he heard it is official that he was offered two seventy five by the Tigers and turned it down. But it's been a weird off season for this historic group of shortstops that was that that was on the market. But some of these franchises, I think, well played, Cody. Take a guy. And then let's see what happens with our current shortstop. And if he leaves, we got someone to slide right in there. And in theory, you don't miss a beat at all. I really like the what they've done. Uh, Detroit or not Detroit? Um, Boston signing Trevor Story was a was a huge move for them. That because you saw everything that the that the AL East has done. The AL East is going to be awesome to watch this year, aside from Baltimore. Um, so you want to see what, what story does because Xander Bogarts, as you mentioned, has an opt-out at the end of this year. So he could re-enter free agency next year with Carlos Correa and both be the big free agent shortstops, and they're still in their, their mid-20s, mid to late-20s. Where this year you saw all these shortstops, and I'm going to include Lindor in it because he signed a new deal, get $1.2 billion almost in their deals that they've signed. So that's Seager, that's Marcus, that's Javi Baez, Story, Lindor, and Correa. That's a lot of money for for shortstops, and they're all in a, you know fairly young. Besides, you know, Marcus is in his early thirties. So I like what the Red Sox did. I like the Detroit adding Javi Baez, who can play you know multiple positions. Marcus is going to play second base for um, the Rangers, but yeah, the Dodgers getting Trey Turner. He's afraid after this year too. I'm pretty sure. I think he is. But they also have Gavin Lux, who they keep telling us is going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Who? And, yeah. <laughs> I keep hearing his name so much that I, I want to see him play, but he's never had a chance to play. But I'm with you. I think that these teams, they're making these guys second baseman uh, is, is very smart for what they've done. Or, you know, you can make him a third baseman or whatever, but you just you, – you have that – you have that ability and, and the depth too because, let's face it, you're not – and everybody's not going to stay healthy for an entire season. It's just really smart to get these insurance – these insurance moves. And how about story? Some of these guys, 
overplayed their market. I think there's no question about it. And I don't think Trevor Story, if you would have, if you would have sat down with with Carlos Correa, if you would have sat down with Trevor Story, and I'm sure there's a couple other guys you could throw in there, and said, okay, at the start of this whole thing, what do you think you were gonna get? What did your agents prepare for you to get? I mean, just think about that for a second. I mean, what what did Trevor Story really think when when he's saying goodbye to Colorado? First of all, he probably didn't see Chris Bryant was going to resign. I mean, Chris Bryant was going to sign with the Rockies. He probably thought, you know, he's a Texas guy. Maybe he he could end up with one of the Texas teams. Whatever. But do you think he would have thought that the best he was going to get was Boston at 140 and he was going to have to ch- change positions? I don't think so. I think with him, he thought he was going to get more and he was going to get more. But I think the elbow injuries, kind of what was derailing him because they, they have elbow concerns. Carlos Correa probably thought he was going to get over $300 million. I mean, that's didn't we all think that? Didn't we all think he was going to get $300 million heading into free agency before – the lockout happened. I, I thought he was going to get $300 million. I thought it was going to come from Detroit, but he got 275 reportedly is what he was offered. Apparently, the Orioles offered him $300 million. That was a deal that was out there. The Orioles offered him $300 million. Uh, if, you t- if he took that money and went to Baltimore, he does not care about winning because they are not going to win for in the next couple of years. I'm all about winning. You know, yeah. why, I, you know why I'm at your apartment today? It's all about winning. I'm all about winning. And, and by the way, and it's for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, I actually you're only here because there's better school systems in my area. I, 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 I'm either here about winning, it's for the kids, or the military. I'm here for one of three reasons. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You're always here for one of three reasons. You're not here for the school systems then? Well, we we could say school systems. I'm there's not a sh- great elementary school right down the street here on Tenth. And it's a nice park. I'm here for the parks, recreation parks, kids, the military and, and winning. winning. And winning, yeah. And winning. Winning's last though. <laughs> Winnings last. Yeah, this whole this whole thing has just been I, I'm hearing it too. What is is there is that what you're worried about? Is there's a yeah, there is a little bit of a there is a buzz. Uh Julian McWilliams is gonna join us from where do they train? Is it like Saint Saint Port Lucy or something like that? Where the Red Sox train? Their games are in Fort Myers, I'm going to say. Fort Myers. Fort I, Myers, yeah. I can't keep track of the Florida teams. I'm not a Florida. Port, I've, I've never done Florida spring training. Port St. Lucie, I think, is the Mets. We will be heading to spring training. We are, yeah. I was just emailing our the the great Mark Ling, our PR director, about us being down there. So when are we going? April April 1st? April 1st, we are be, it will be down there. And the first game is going to be uh, against your White Sox, your Pale Hoes. Where are they play at again? Glendale? Uh, no, I meant I meant in Chicago. Where do they play? They play. Do they play on the east, south, north of Arizona? Where uh, are they in Arizona? We're gonna have to ask Vince Catronio. He knows that they. Well, or, they sure know where they are in Chicago. Yeah. I wonder how many times that gets mentioned on the spring training broadcast. Southsiders. Yeah. Hey, the South Side. I have no idea. I guess we could look at a map. I have no idea where Glen. I've been to Glendale. Who do they do they share with somebody too, right? The Dodgers, I believe, Camelback Ranch. Yes. It's the Mariners and Padres are in Peoria. Who share who shares with the D backs? Because the nicest one is where the D backs are. 
the Reds, maybe. Is that the Rockies? Someone. I, uh, I think it's the Rockies. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, some of these places are pretty sweet. Yeah, so the first game we're going to be down there. It is going to be so nice because we're going to go down there for a couple days. We're and and and, and I think to give credit to Delaire, our boss, the the thing about having us go down there a lot is to get you information and get you to know what's going on and get you to know the players. And really, by the time we get down there, because right now, can you imagine if we would have – we used to go down early before games started, but, I mean, my God, look how different the team looks already. By the time we get down there, the team will be set. Now, I don't think this year's roster will be set at any point. I think we're going to have a tremendous amount of roster moves throughout the year, which is fine. That's what happens in, in a season like this. But – the opening day roster and what you'll see for the first couple weeks or a month, we that will be the team we will talk to when we go down there. That's what we'll be bringing to you on A's Cast Live. And, of course, all the different stuff that we'll put together for A's Cast. Um, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to figure out what, what is going on with my, my microphone. But you're right. I, I'm looking forward. I already sent a whole list of players we wanted to talk to. Now, there's a lot of the, the OGs, I guess you can call them, that we've talked to already. Do we still have OGs on this team? Uh, Lou Trevino. Who pitched well yesterday? Wow, hard to believe. Lou Trevino's <laughs> an old school guy. Uh, let's see. Um, well, can't say Cole Irvin. He's only been here for a year. Tony Kemp's that. Your opening day start. By the way, if Cole Irvin takes the ball on opening day against Philadelphia, somebody needs to get some credit for that. That was called a while ago. That's right. Through Cole Irvin revenge series. I saw I saw Martine. This guy right here, and I'm not pointing at you. Yeah. Is going to need a little credit. Yeah. Going, I'm going to say he's going to be your opening day starter. Uh, I think Martine had a tweet yesterday. That was before Chris Bassett was traded. Um, Martine had a tweet yesterday about something. I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but he called it a revenge series for someone. I, um, I, I have to go back and look at his tweets. But it's funny when I, as soon as I saw him, like uh, first thing I thought was Cole Irvin revenge game against Philly. Well, you're gonna. I mean. Who would have thought last year if we would have said, out of all these guys, who do you think will be the opening day starter the very next season? I mean, wow. No one would have thought that. That that is um that is pretty crazy. But what what the key too is for this spring is to kind of get an idea as following the future, but we need guys to win now. And that's the thing that, you know, so much that you talk about, you know, well, is this guy the catcher or the shortstop or the center fielder of the future? You need to find guys who can uh, get the job done now. Is Julian with us? All the way from Florida. First of all, how are you and uh, how's life as a new father? Uh, sleep deprived. You guys warned me about that, but you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> we're going through it now, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's great though. It's great though. It's starting to see the personality and, and, uh, she starts to notice who you are. So you're getting a little something back. It's not like she's just like a zombie anymore. <laughs> yeah. How much, uh, getting away for, for, from diapers for a while. Oh, it's, it's huge, man. I was on leave, uh, for about, eight weeks and then um the lockout happened so i had another two because my wife was back at work so i was 
I was like, yeah, I probably need to get down to Fort Myers so they, they can hurry this thing up, but you know, that would be nice. So, um, yeah, so they, uh, so, but it's, 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 it's good though, man. It's just, uh, it tests your patience, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all in on it. And my, me and my wife are having a good time. So that's fun. Yeah. It, it, it's a time in your life as a parent and as a man to where you, you really experience unconditional love and you now know how your parents felt about you where this, 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 this child that you brought into the world, it's part, you know, it, a lot of it is you. And now that, uh, you have a new, just, it's something different about you. I mean, my kids are now 16 and we're starting to look at colleges and I think back when they are babies and it just, it changes your world forever. Cause now you have a, a whole different responsibility. It's the greatest thing ever in your life. But then we have to get back to baseball and, when Trevor's story was <laughs> Trevor's story signs with the Red Sox, I went, huh, that's interesting. And then I hear about the whole Xander Bogarts and his contract and an opt out. I went, ah, this deal could get very interesting and give the Red Sox some insurance. Talk about how you're reading the tea leaves here. Yeah, there's there's no way. I mean, barring like a major catastrophic injury that Xander Bogarts uh, opts in. Uh, to next year's contract. I mean, you're looking at a guy who, um, you know, has been one of the premier shortstops and one of the premier players, uh, if not arguably the best, you know, hitting shortstop in the league since um, he signed the extension in 2019. I believe he signed it in Oakland. When I was still in Oakland, uh, they had the press conference out there at the beginning of the season in April. So um, he's a Boris client. Um, and you, as we know, Boris, when he smells blood, he, he goes for it. And I think he's going to try to get, you know, Xander as much money as he can. And I think, you know, Xander's been a, a, a really big guy on saying, I'm just, you know, a team player. And I, I don't, I don't care about the money. I remember he signed, he signed the extension. He said, you know, I don't, I didn't want to have to have to go through the stress of free agency. Well, now that he's seeing everybody else around him that plays his position, get the type of money that they're getting. I think he's saying, huh, you know, I need to go and do, do what's best for me uh, and be it with the Red Sox or be it with anywhere else. I think um, I don't think he has that attachment um, so much. Uh, uh, not, I wouldn't say to the organization, but, uh, you know, he wants to get his money. And, and I think that's and rightfully so. Um, you look at somebody like Trevor Story. Uh, this is the guy that can play shortstop. He can play second base. Um, you can make the argument that Xander is the is, is the third you know best shortstop behind him and uh, behind Trevor Story and, and Kike Hernandez but um it's Xander's team so then it's, it's sort of like that that, that Jeter thing right they're not going to move him off shortstop because um that's that's been his position he's sort of built this organization to be what it's been in in the in the 2000s so um you're looking at a person that has a lot of will have a lot of options at the end of the season I remember J.D. Martinez said yesterday Xander's going to be rich after uh, Carlos Correa signed his deal the day before yesterday. Um, so, and I think, you know, that, that, that's, and rightfully so. He's going to go somewhere. If, if, it's, uh, if it's with the Red Sox extension, great. If it's somewhere else, he's going to get his money, and rightfully so. So, when you look at Hein Bloom, and he has not been one to make big splashes. Do you look at this Trevor Trevor Story deal as a big as a big splash? Uh, how, how do you see the guy from Colorado coming in and switching to second base? I assume that it was going to be you know one of the short term deals, right? I think um, if you look at it like a sort of the Correa thing, I thought it would be something like a maybe a you know one year deal, but then he'll go back on the market. But if you keep in mind, Trevor Story had that 
that elbow injury last year. So it, it, it made his, you know, market a little bit um, different, I guess. And he wants the, he wants that security, if anything. Um, I think it is a big splash. Look, they, this is the most money they've given, which is crazy to think. This is the most money they've given um, to a player since David Price. And he got that $217 million contract, I believe, um, back in 2015 or 16. My, my memory fades me right now. But um, this is the largest contract they've given. And the fact that he got six years, um, is also something that's interesting. Uh, you know, he'll be, what, 35 years old by the time this contract's up. So him shifting the second, I saw that he played a little bit of second base. He played a lot of bit, a lot of second base in double A. So I don't think it will be anything that's new to him. Um, obviously, I think he's the better shortstop, but also you got to keep in mind the injury that he had with his elbow last year and, you know, being able to fill in at second base probably gives him a little bit more, um, you know, time. If anything, Xander opts out, they can shift him over the uh, shifts him over to shortstop so uh, I think I think this I think he'll adjust fine to that to that position because you know he's an athlete I mean you look at his stat cast numbers um, he's one of the better athletes in, in the game and he's one of the fastest athletes in the game so uh, I don't think there'll be that much of a adjust for him I, in fact I think it'll be it'll be it'll possibly be a good fit for him just being able to have that you know being able to settle in the second base considering he had an elbow injury you know, leaving Coors Field and a mile high up, you might worry about offensive numbers. If he was coming to a place like, let's say, Oakland, but he's coming to Fenway Park where half of his games, a highly offensive ballpark, the division other than Tampa, every ballpark you're playing in in division is an offensive ballpark. So what do you, do you, do you expect even much of a drop-off or same old, same old with playing half your games at Fenway? I, you know, I think I think that that you know I think we've made it kind of a big deal about that. I think we should look at considering like a DJ LeMahieu, right? I mean, he went to um, he was at Coors Field, and you know, I think in the season before last, they put those nets up in right field where um, you know the ball was hard for him to get out of there, and he's the opposite field hitter. Um, then he went to you know New York, and he has that short porch in right field, um, and then all of a sudden he's you know he he's this guy that's you know, pumping out home runs, you know. So, if anything, um, uh, New York inflated um, D.J. LeMahieu's stats. And I think that's going to sort of be what it is for Trevor Story, um, particularly if you look at, um, you know, his pull side numbers. You know, if he mishits a ball, um, that's a ball that's going to, you know, hit the wall at Fenway in, in left field. Um, if he hits, squares the ball up, you know, it's, it's over the fence. So, I think if you look at the fact that he's a right-handed hitter and he's playing at Fenway Park, I think that bodes well for him, you know, going forward, particularly if you look at, like I said, his, his pull side numbers. He's a pull hitter. He's looking to pull the ball. Um, Kike Hernandez, you know, on a, on a, um, on a smaller scale, this is, a, this is, this is, he's also a pull hitter. And when the Red Sox considered him, they're saying, no, he would probably hit well at Fenway. Hunter Renfro, he's a pull hitter. Um, when the Red Sox considered him, they said, you know, oh, well, he, he's a pull hitter. He would probably hit well at Fenway. Both those guys, particularly Hunter Renfro, hit really, really well at Fenway last year. Um, and I think if you look at somebody like Trevor Story, who has, you know, two times, three times the talent of those guys, I think you're looking at a person that's going to be a fixture in their lineup for years to come. I'm on Fangraph's roster resource right now, and I'm looking at the starting pitching for the Red Sox. And without Chris Sale, wow. Um, Bad. Look, Yeah, looking at the division – uh, I love how my guy Rich Hill, former athletic Rich Hill at like 80 years old is still out there spinning that breaking ball. But how, how, do you, how do you see this working out with Chris Sale, at least for the start of the season for this rotation? 
no, it seems like this Chris Sale thing is an ongoing, you know, it's just an ongoing thing. I think I feel like I'm always having to write with Chris Sale missing the start of the season. So and so is going to have to pick up the slack, and it's been that. Um, and he, and look, he said it before. He said, "I'm getting paid to do nothing," you know, and and that sucks. He said that, you know, earlier in the week or last week. So you're looking at Nate Evaldi, uh, Nick Pavetta, Tanner Houck. Um, you know, I like Tanner a lot, and and I think he's he he comes in. This will be actually his real real first full season. Um, in the big leagues, I think he can be a a, a a number three or number two or number three starter in the future. But right now, it's Nate Evaldi, Nick Pavetta, um, uh, uh, Tanner Houck, uh, Rich Hill, and Daniel uh, and Daniel Waka. Um, you know, that's 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 not necessarily the five that you want to run out there. Um, and and it's a shortened spring. People like Nate Evaldi who who have a routine and. Who, who focus on staying healthy? That's that's going to be something that's 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 uh, uh, sort of sort of up in the air. You know, somebody like uh, uh, Nick Pavetta. Um, oh, he says you know he's used to it. You know, he he's still a rhythm guy, and if he doesn't have his command, you know that's that's going to be a problem. So clearly, the Red Sox are going to have to make some moves um, at some point during the season if they want to if if they want to be if they want to contend, particularly in the AL East. When you look at you know teams not even the Yankees, just the Blue Jays, and what they've done. Um, you're looking at you're looking at a team that just has you know possibly a, a, a number four and I say a number five starter in any other in any other rotation. If you're looking at say Nate Evaldi or excuse me number three, I'd be generous. Number three starter in Nate Evaldi, maybe a possibly four or five in Tanner Houck, and possibly even a person like Pavetta who wouldn't even be in the rotation for any other team. So. They're gonna have to build. They're they're gonna have to patch some things up, and I think they have to patch it up quick. But I think the main thing is trying to survive until the deadline, or trying to survive um, until the first half of the season, and then making their push. Because time is time has proven that he can he can pull in some arms. So um, we'll see what happens. But obviously, you know, them missing missing those uh, missing arms like a E Rod even who filled up innings. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a huge blow for them. Yeah, the season's going to start here in a couple weeks. I mean, we're going to snap our fingers and it's going to be opening day and the East is just going to be it's going to be a brawl. That's what it looks like. And when you start talking about the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Rays and the Blue Jays, we'll keep the Orioles out of this. So those four teams right there, yeah. New New York, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa, handicap that. How would you see it 1 through 4 right now? I would honestly go raise because I mean I, I think they they've, they've done it to prove that they're the, the the tower over the East despite the despite their um, you know their 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 payroll I think they figure out a way to win in the regular season now if it translates to the postseason um, in terms of winning a World Series that's something else that they haven't proven that they can do yet because you can't you know stack up all those relievers on back to back days and. You know, people have more time to game plan, so I think that's why they struggle a little bit in the playoffs. But if then you look at the, say, the Blue Jays, who I think are number two in that in that order, because I think they got a taste of a little bit uh, of the playoffs, and then they missed it last year, and I think they have uh, a little bit of a bad bad taste in their mouth. And they they put together a pitching staff. They put together, you know, they've added Matt Chapman. Even I mean, I'm sorry, Ace fans. Um, you know, they've added all these players, and I think this is going to be good for them. So I have them at number two. Right now, I have the Yankees at number three, um, and that could change because. Obviously, if the Red Sox, you know, pick up with some pitching, you know, I think that can that can bode well for them. But you know, right now, as it stands right now, I think 
you know, they're they're the, they're the number Red Yankees are number three, Red Sox are number four, and obviously you have the Orioles who we're not going to talk about at number five. But I think if you look at those four, I think the Rays and the, and the, and the Blue Jays have done an excellent job of going out and getting guys. Um, the Red Sox, though, they got Trevor Story. Um, a lot of guys dropped off the off the uh, off the list um, in terms of in terms of guys that that were free agents who they could have you know gotten. So um, I think you're looking at at a team that that's flawed from you know, from its pitching staff, even down to some of its bullpen and, and trying to get Matt Barnes on the track, who had a, who sort of, you know, fell off a cliff in the second half of the season. So there's a lot of questions, but, you know, if anything, I think Heimbloom has figured out a way uh, to patch up things um, in the rotation in the years past, and we'll see what happens, um, you know, going into this year. Well, there's two pitchers in Oakland that a lot of people are talking about, and there's a lot of rumors out there. But it also comes down to, yeah, I mean, could the Red Sox use Manaya or Montas or the Yankees? But the real question, which, you know, we don't cover their systems all that much, is, you know, what do good teams who constantly try and win and they use their minor league systems to be able to keep winning – what do they have to offer someone like Oakland? I, I don't know. What are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, the Red Sox, they've, they've done an excellent job, I think, of, of stacking up their system from, you know, Marcelo Mayer to Nick York. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, Tristan Cassis. Um, they're sort of like, you know, hot in that, in that area in terms of prospects. And I think, um, you know, Blaze Jordan is another one. Uh, you know, Brian Bayo. Um, you know, so obviously I think if there were, if there were trades there, um, you know, if they, if, if the Red Sox wanted to get Montas, they could, but Heim Bloom is, is adamant about not telling their system because look at, you know, Dave Dombrowski, he, he gave away everybody in terms of like, you know, their top, top prospects from Montada, um, you know, to, to, to get Chris Sale and, or, and, and, you know, to, to make room for a J.D. Martinez or a David Price, whatever. Um, they 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 did a lot of that. So granted, they got a championship out of it, so it worked. And Dave Dombrowski did an excellent job. Behind is sort of cut from a Tampa cloth, where he wants to sort of, you know, build up the system. Um, sort of that Dodgers thing, where you can have just too many guys, too many options, and now you're just like, okay, I can trade Jeter Downs and Connor Wong for and Alex Verdugo for a Mookie Betts, right? I think so. I think that's sort of what they're looking to do. Um, but in terms of what they have to offer, they have a lot to offer. But I just don't know how many teams are willing to give that up. Even the Yankees, like they're not, they haven't really spent at all. And it's kind of like, what are you doing? Are we just sitting on these prospects? Or are you trying to win? Um, you know, so I think teams have, have 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 the systems. The Blue Jays obviously have the system. They got four prospects for Matt Chapman. So, um, you know, I think it's a matter of, of of what teams are willing to give up. And obviously, they haven't. If you look at the Red Sox and Yankees, they're not willing to sell off their systems right now. Yeah, you mentioned the Blue Jays, and I know you ranked them pretty high second in the East. I mean, there is so much hype around them right now. Wait, where did you rank them? Did you rank them second? Yeah, I did second. I think they're second right now. D- D- I think I think the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays. Now, I think if you have, if you're looking at a team like the Blue Jays, I think where they struggle is with the where, where I looked at last year. They struggle because they were so young. They struggle with close games. They struggle with making the routine routine play routinely. I think, um, but if you add somebody like a Matt Chapman in their in their infield, because if I looked at Bo Bichette at shortstop, I think Matt is going to help out Bo significantly 
um, if they put him back at, at put him back at a, a um, at shortstop because Matt plays so deep and 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 Matt you, if you remember with Marcus Simeon Marcus Simeon just sort of played up the middle sort of he shaded up the middle and Matt's like I got everything you know that's to my left I have everything that's to my right you know it doesn't matter it was sort of like he was the shortstop of the of the infield so I think that's going to help 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 simplify the game for somebody like a bobish and saying like look i just have to worry about what's in front of me and to my left matt chapman has everything else so if you look at that and you consider that i think that'll help him significantly because i think Bo led, led the league in, in errors in terms of shortstops last year so I, I have them ranked second right now that might be a little bit of a hype train but i just think they're so loaded and they're so talented man and if they put it together i mean that's 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 going to be a that's going to be a force you know, sign stealing we know was going on all around baseball, and teams love to point fingers. And it's coming out that there's going to be a letter that's going to be made public from baseball uh, to the New York Yankees about their involvement. Now, Boston can't be looking at anybody because they've been guilty, they've got caught, and they've been punished. But how much do you think baseball and how I would say fans, I know the A's fans will love it, and even Red Sox fans are going to be like, you know what? Finally, it's coming up about the Yankees, and it's going to be official. Yeah, I, I think that's big, right? I think in terms of just saying, like, we weren't the only ones that are doing it. Now, I think if you look at it, and they obviously took it to the nth degree. And then you have Cora in, in Boston then, and, then, you know, they're looking for any little thing. So, um, granted, sign stealing is sign stealing, but – I think the reason why Houston went to those degrees is because of saying like, Hey, everybody does it. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, if everybody's cheating on a test and then all of a sudden, you know, they're getting answers from, I guess, you know, uh, 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 from, from the person in front of them, there's going to be somebody in the classroom like, you know what, I'm just going to bring the entire worksheet that our teacher gave us with the answers on it, you know, and, 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 and just be kind of bold with it because nobody's gotten caught yet. And then, and then the person gets caught. It's like, wow, how could you do such a thing? Granted, sign stealing is bad, but with the Yankees, I think they pointed fingers a lot. Um, you know, from CeCe Sabathia to Aaron Judge and, and everybody else saying, like, you know, we would have won the World Series if, if, if had we, you know, hadn't been sign stealing and hadn't there not been sign stealing in 2017. Well, look, you were doing it too. So uh, it, it comes out like that. And I think that there's been a lot of finger pointing at the Red Sox. I mean, excuse me, at, at the Houston Astros, Cora, um, you know, the Red Sox and everything like that. But uh, everybody's doing it to some degree. I think I think Houston just happened to take it a little bit over edge, um, and then it and then it and then it sort of you know went into that. But I think you have to look at a situation like the Yankees. People want to people want to slay the dragon, and they've been slaying the dragon for a long time with the Yankees. Yankees that won a World Series in two thousand nine, and they're known as the prim and proper organization. This is how we do it. This is like, oh, you got to shave and all this stuff. But there's shadiness to them too, and I think that's coming out. That's going to be a sort of a sort of that 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 win for 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 people within baseball to say, "Ha, you were doing it too." Hey, it's great to hear from you. Congratulations on everything with the family. Be well, and we will talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your time in Florida. Always, Tony. Thanks so much. Take care, buddy. Julian McWilliams, remember he covered the A's for the Athletic, now covers the Red Sox for the Boston Globe. And, yeah, I this isn't a good look for the commissioner's office, which I think a lot of us will be happy about.
Right? I mean, come on. Cheating's trying. We all... The whole thing about sign stealing and everything. I mean, the the bad part was it became electronic. That's where it jumped the shark. Like, stealing signs and doing that kind of stuff organically, that's been a part of the game. But now when you start using, like, the Red Sox with the Apple Watches and the Astros with cameras. But the but baseball never wanted to come down on the Yankees. And there has been rumors in our sport about the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Brewers for a while. And baseball, the way they handle, like if you've ever been to New York and when you roam around Manhattan, people that live there and work there and friends that uh, I have that are still working there today, it's just they live in their own world. We all live in our own world to an extent, no question. But when you live in when you live in Manhattan and you live in New York, everywhere else really doesn't matter to you. It's hard to explain unless you've experienced it and you've been there for a while and you have friends that live there. Like the whole is it's like it's the center of the world. Even though I only really care so much about what's going on in my world, like you out there listening right now, but we understand there's more to us than just what's happening from Cody's apartment right now. But when you're in New York, I mean, New Jersey seems like miles away. <laughs> it seems like, I mean, they are, it's a different mentality. I don't know. Am I explaining that correctly or do you have to experience it for me to understand it? Well, see, I still don't fix the issue with my microphone. I don't know what it is, but, um, I, you're right. You know, someone that grew up in the Midwest, since, you know, people consider Pittsburgh. Okay, Pittsburgh, not- like, like people in Manhattan and New York City, Pittsburgh seems like you guys, like you, you would consider yourself like East Coast being from Pittsburgh, but they would view you like you're on a different planet if you're from Pittsburgh. Essentially, yeah. But I know the mentality, the new, I've never been to New York City, but I've been to New York. Um, cause I went there as a kid and my parents took me like my, my mother and grandmother took me to Coney Island and stuff like that, but I never went to New York city. Um, but I know how the mentality is. I know a lot of people from New York and yeah, you're right. They live in their own world. The only other place they really recognize is Florida. Cause that's vacation time. <laughs> yeah. They vacation down in Florida. But my whole point to this is it's not good for the commissioner's office and they view it as bad for the sport if they were to come down on the Yankees. The Yankees are the flat. I mean, we all know. They're the flagship of the sport. Part of the problem with the sport, part of the problem with promoting when you do everything around one team or a couple teams, that's where, you know, you, you think about the greatness that is the NFL or even at times the NBA you know, look at the NBA. Look how big the NBA has gotten to be on the world stage. And the New York Knicks are awful and haven't been good. I can't even remember the last time they were good. Would that be like early Carmelo Anthony, which would be it's well over 10 years ago. I, I hate to I hate to shoot a hole. Poor in this. The Knicks were in the playoffs last year. That doesn't mean anything. But, like, on a consistent basis. Oh, I don't would... let me shoot a hold in this. Half the league makes yeah, it. Yeah, uh... They've been <laughs> irrelevant 
for literally right. since Patrick Ewing. Like the year and that when when was that? That was the eighties. Frozen envelope. Um, it was two thousand twelve when Mike Woodson was their coach. That year, the one year with Mello, they were good. Then they they were never good before or after that again until last year. Like the 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 spectrum of the Knicks. Popularity was probably good in the what late '90s, early 2000s when they had like Allen Houston and Patrick Ewing, and uh, they had another really good player. Um, Jeff Van Gundy was coaching them. Remember Van Gundy hanging on to Alonzo Mourning's leg? Uh, let me. The let me... last time the Knicks won a division was 2013, and the last time before then was 1994. I was in college. Can I rest my case on that? Since you tried to poke a hole in it, yeah, I'm just saying, like, the, I'm just, like the Knicks—they've won one division since 1994. I wouldn't necessarily call that a flagship franchise. I know I, I get annoyed by that statement where everyone goes, "The Knicks, it's the Mecca." The Knicks have won like one championship, and it was back in the 70s with well, Phil that's Jackson. What I, that's what I was saying, and you said you're picking a hole in my thing. No, I was just saying that they made a, the playoffs recently, but there was. What the like, hell does that matter? Sixteen teams make the playoffs, and it was just a one-off anyway. They're not going to make it this year, most likely. So you've had the NBA has had the Golden State Warriors be a flagship team. You've had the Lakers forever be a flagship team. It doesn't have to be New York and flagship teams for the NFL. I don't think at any point. The Giants or the Jets have ever been a flagship team for the NFL. The Giants, even when they've had some Super Bowl runs, obviously they've won, what, four? The Dallas Cowboys have always been bigger than the New York Giants. And they're in the same division. That's a fact. So it's like we have built our sport around this one franchise. This one franchise dominates so much. So how can you come down on it? How, how could you treat the Yankees, even though back in the day, George Steinbrenner did get suspended and did get banned. He didn't get banned, but he got suspended, yeah. and he was away from the game. But how could you do to the Astros? How could you do to the Astros? Could you do to the Yankees what they did to the Astros? Do you think Manhattan, the, the commissioner's office, would do that to the New York Yankees, the flagship of our sport? Absolutely not. It would never happen. It's just and and it's it's a sad reality, but it's true. Like you're right about the Giants and the Jets. They both well, <laughs> not to go off on the NFL here for a second, but the Giants and the Jets have both stunk for how many years now in, in New York. And I feel bad for you know, listen, you know, sports talk radio hosts. They have to come on every Monday and talk about how the Jets and the Giants both lost again. But you got to think long term. They 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 used to be good. The, the Giants were good, and they do have four Super Bowls. And the Jets haven't won a Super Bowl since. Well, you know, Broadway Joe, yeah, Joe Namath. It's been a long time. That was back in what, the was that the 60s or 70s? It was the... Because they've only won one. It was Super Bowl three. So it would have been 1969, something like that? Let's see, uh, Super Bowl three. 68? It was in 1969, January 12th, 1969. And it's Joe Namath... Sitting by a pool, and Joe Namath basically got tired of reporters saying, you guys don't have a chance. You have a chance. And they just said, kind of flippantly, we're going to win. He didn't He didn't do the, we're going to win. You know, he was like, we're going to win. And then, of course, all the headlines and everything. Yeah, and the, the guaranteeing the win. But, yeah, you're never going to be able to do – any punishment like you did to the Astros, to the Yankees. I agree 100% on that. And just like 
where the Yankees are always going to lead every MLB Network thing anytime they do anything. That's why watching watching Twitter anymore, when seeing all these moves happen with other teams like the Red Sox and the Dodgers and Correa going to the Twins, I see seeing Yankee fans on Twitter like, how are we not able to sign Carlos Correa to that kind of deal? How are we missing out on this? How are we missing out on that? Who's the number two behind Garrett Cole? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually I'm actually enjoying watching the Yankee Yankee fans kind of uh, not being able to be in on any big free agents and not making any moves. Now they got Donaldson and, Ky- and Connor Falefa. Terrific. I do like Connor Falefa for them. I do. Well, I mean, and I like Donaldson too. I just don't know if he can stay healthy. Well, that's as long as you can get Glaber Day out of the out of the. Uh, defensive rotation because he's just been really bad. Do you remember the Sanchino and I can't remember what Glaber what's Glaber? Glaber Day. Oh, it's Glaber. Remember how they built those guys up that they were just going to be the greatest and just, I mean, Glaber Torres, I'm not going to be shocked if he's gone by the end of the year. I I was going to say, I I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but the the rumors of how Frankie or Mania have been linked to the Yankees, why would you not try to get him back if that was really a thing? Put him in the middle of your he's still only like twenty four. It's not like he's thirty years old and he can't play anymore. He's like twenty four years old. Yeah, no, his defense is a bit of an issue, but that's okay. Hell, defense, you've already told me defense doesn't yeah. matter. Help sick him at first base. Scott Hatterberg played there and he couldn't throw. I watched Moneyball. <laughs> what does defense matter? Yeah, so put him at first put, we don't know who's gonna well, I have my theory on who who could be the first baseman for the A's. When's but, his birth? Uh, December. So he won't be. What is he? Twenty four. He won't be twenty five until December. Yeah, he's still young. He's not even in the prime of his career yet. I know, but man, he has dropped off quick. He was the centerpiece of the. What? Who did they get from the? Oh, a Rollis Chapman trade. Chicago. right? Yeah, when the Cubs got Chapman, he was the guy that went back. It was him and. Um, uh, I know. I'm sure there's another player. There had to be another player too that was in there, but he was the headliner of that deal and. He was good with the one year he hit like 30 home runs, right? One of the years he hit 30. 38-90. Oh, and, and – uh, Got MVP votes. Oh, that's when, he, that's when he hit 13 home runs against the Orioles and Gary and uh, Gary Thorne just kept going, what is it with this guy home uh, when he did his home run call? He's, he was just getting annoyed because 13 home runs he hit against the Orioles that year. At tw- okay, so if, if the A's had a player who was 22 years old and had 38 jacks and 90 RBIs, I think we'd be pretty high on him. Yeah, I and mean, the Yankees are – this guy might not even break the road. Like, think about the Yankees – not to go off a whole Yankees thing here, but think about the Yankees infield now. Their first baseman is going to be Anthony Rizzo. Their second baseman on paper should be D.J. LeMahieu. Shortstop Isaiah Conner-Falefa, third baseman Josh Donaldson. Where does Glaber Torres play? Oakland. I love that idea. I, I love that idea. Now, and, and yet, if, you have to, if you have to look up – you have to look up his – He's on a free agent until forever. I think it's twenty twenty five. Well, he did play a full season his first year. He played one hundred twenty three games. He's salary arbitration eligible. This is his first year, so he's he'll be a free agent in twenty twenty five. He made four million dollars last year. Sounds like an Oakland A already. I mean, he you bring him here, and I mean, Jerickson Profar couldn't throw. He also didn't hit either. But now he plays everywhere for the Padres. Be curious to see how Bob Melvin uses him in San Diego, but. I mean, Profar couldn't throw, and he played every almost every game. Think about this. You got this guy for the next couple of years entering his prime, and if hopefully you've got everything squared away because the revenue sharing for the A's, they've got to have a deal in place by 2024, right? Dave Cavan wants to have that in place. Yeah, 2024. I mean, he could be – if he just comes and all he does is rakes – 
which not so sure. I mean, it is a gamble. I mean, last year he had 259 at an OPS of 697. Last time I checked, if I looked at my OPS scales, 695, 697 stinks. Yeah, that's uh, below league average. No, but his career, his career OPS plus is 114, so he's above league average. And Whoa, his OPS. Well, yeah, but, th- but those are because of the first two years. What was his well, – I'm going to his page right now. He, his best year was 128. He was last, last year. Last year is 93. Yeah. Okay, he was below. There's a big difference between 93 and 128. I mean, baseball Baseball reference has him projected nothing. This might have been before all these trades happened. They hit uh, 17 homers and driving 59 runs. In spring training right now, according to this, if it's been updated, he has two hits and three at-bats. So he has, how's he I, not playing in spring training? I went to eight. Put him in second base. Let him DH. I mean, really, what are you going to – do you think you're going to get top prospects for Sean Mania? Do you really think you're going to get top prospects for him? A guy who has not ever been healthy. Last year, healthy. But his career, not healthy. Well, the, and plus the Yankees don't want to give up any of their top guys. They made that clear when they with all these trades. They don't want to give up – well, you're not, you're not going to get Anthony Volpe for either of these guys. But. Would you ta- – I mean, at, le- at least you'd be getting a big league player – who's super young, who has shown signs of promises, who could help you long-term. Yeah, you know you're going to have him for at least three years, this year, 2023 and 2024. So he'll be here for at least three years. Where Are you, you going to have Are you going to have Shamanai or Frankie Montas after the year? And, and, and something that you wouldn't want to hear as an A's fan, but here would be a reality, and someday you could move him for something. Right? Yeah. You can you can move yeah that's 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 why you have to operate I think anymore in, in sports or even just baseball like when I mentioned Carlos Correa they stink the Twins can just flip him at the deadline and get prospects back Matt Holiday I mean it's not like the <laughs> yeah. A's haven't done that but really what you want to be and this is where football I think really figured it out with the with with their version of the salary cap is. Modern-day football, where we are today, you are not beholden to a player long-term. That's the number one thing. No one talks about a guy, will he play his whole career here? The only single position where you will entertain that is quarterback. You won't entertain that a guy will be with you his entire career. There's not a position. There's not one position where you go, will that guy be with us his entire career? That's all we talk about in baseball. If you got a pretty good player, oh, you're going to sign him long term. Is he going to be here forever? To where in football, the only guy, and that's if he wins a Super Bowl. You could be a good quarterback, have numbers, and your fan base won't even talk about keeping you long term. So football has conditioned its fan base to, hey, love a player, but he ain't going to be here long term. Perfect example just happened today. Matt Ryan just got traded from the Falcons. Matt Ryan got traded? Yeah, Matt Ryan. Indianapolis Colt Matt Ryan. No. Yeah. For a th- you know what he got traded for? A third-round pick. But the 49ers can't trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Wait a minute. Matt Ryan is a Colt? Yep. I didn't see that. And then, and what, then, and then, hey, you know what the difference is? I've been working all day. You've been sitting in front of your computer in socks and watching baseball and hanging out on Twitter, and I've been working. I'm gra- Look at the dirt underneath my nails. Now, I'm like a contractor. 
Well, what you were doing, I helped you do the other day too. So we're it's it's a grind, man. Well, yeah, you, you were the the key phrase the other day. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I, real quick to, to finish the Matt Ryan point. Matt Ryan's a Colt. Matt Ryan a Colt. Marcus Mariota a Falcon. Was was his deal up with the Raiders? Yeah. So at his old offensive coordinator in Tennessee, the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. So there you go, okay. Matt Ryan. At the at the end of his career, will have Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah, he won't have Hall of Fame trophies. He'll have Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah, but football conditions you that nobody that you have is going to be a guy that you have forever. Like the fact that Aaron Donald could hang him up and he's a lifetime Ram is so like. Like, no one stays with their franchise forever. But in baseball, we crave it. And like the A's, and I understand our fan base craves a franchise guy. But there isn't a franchise guy anymore in the NFL. Well, you, uh, another example in baseball. And don't go like, well, what about now Aaron Rodgers? No, no. Okay. Those are uh, Anybody who's like an Aaron Rodgers now is an outlier. Okay. I, I, no, I wasn't even going to say Aaron Rodgers. I was going to say with baseball. Uh, another Atlanta guy, Freddie Freeman was supposed to say with the Braves his whole career. He's not even there anymore. The only guy I can think of right now that, that may finish his career with one team that's not a position player, Steven Strasburg might finish his career as a national because of his deal. Because he has to? <laughs> yeah. But, like, I'm in trouble. How, 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 do how do we condition the fans? And this might be interesting to talk to Chip Carey about legendary voice of the Atlanta Braves on television of the fame Carey family. Hey! Like, how do... Modern-day sports fans, we conditioned you to buy jerseys, we conditioned you to care, but really, you shouldn't necessarily care so much about the actual players. How do we change your mentality? How do we change your fandom and how you root? Because, once again, NFL people, for the most part, really you root for teams. Knowing that players, you can buy a player's jersey, but, you know, the average guy only plays like two, three years at best. And there's a good chance that your guy, who you love, won't be there for his entire career. Look at the Braves, for example, again, back in the 90s and 2000s. Did Greg Maddox finish his career as an Atlanta Brave? No. I believe he finished as a Padre. Or a Dodger. Dodger was one of the Southern California teams. Tom Glavin, I think, left to go to the Mets and came back to finish his career. John Smoltz left, too. Red Sox. Yeah, so these John guys, Smoltz. So, the, you know, so talking about Chip Carey, like these. Chipper Jones would be like. He's the one. He's the one. Andrew Jones was a Yankee. Not even Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy got traded to the Phillies. Exactly. So, like, it, there's not there's not a modern-day baseball players to stick with one team. It's very rare. Derek who, Jeter. Who do we got? Jeter. Uh, you've probably got Trout. Because yeah, of his contract, yes. Well, then again, I, mean, I would sign him when he's 38 if he still plays well. Trout and? Let me look. Let me think around the league. Now, don't give me young guys because young guys can get moved. So, you can say, well, Acuna. Acuna. He could get moved. Um, Who's he, a guy that's re, locked he, in that you know? Re, you re, said Strasburg, but that might be because of he, he retired, but Kyle Segerson has his whole career with the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But I, but I get what you're. I'm trying to think. Who who reached out? I think it was the Rangers. The Rangers. Rangers want, reached out. I think I read that they wanted him to play with his brother. Yeah, and like Mar- who and in baseball? We're probably missing somebody. But who in baseball are you? Mike, there's po- there's potential. Now I think Trout does for sure. Soto, if you if you can sign him long term, yeah. Nats, um, but it just seems like these guys don't like Harper. Machado didn't value it. Tatis maybe with the Padres because he, he has a, his is a well. It's a I four, would say no. It's a what fourteen year deal. I would say no. I I bet I I. Guys who sign those big deals with with certain teams, I could see. I just I, forget that. I think if you can sign with the Yankees, and you probably don't finish. Okay, okay. These are three guys that they're not Hall of Famers. Well, one guy's on the fringe, but they've been with their career the whole career there. Uh, Posey, Crawford, and Belt. Now well, Posey's done, so he finished all career there. Well, Belt and Crawford be there, but Crawford might. I don't know. Belt's only on a one year deal, or he has the qualifying offer. So, I mean, if you're – and those are guys are local. Other than that, it's it's hard to think of – like Max Scherzer's been on, like, five different teams. He was on Detroit. He was on Arizona to start his career. He was on the Nationals. He was on the Dodgers. Now he's a Met. All right, I'm just going to go to the teams, right? In Major League Baseball, D-backs don't have a guy. No, Goldschmidt's gone. <laughs> Acuna may be in Atlanta. Baltimore. Good luck. Trey Mancini. Uh, Red Sox. Right now it would be Bo. Well, he might opt out. Yeah, we're talking about Bogarts as a free agent. De- Devers. I don't. Th- we're talking guys now. We're not talking great. De- Devers is a good player, but yeah, I get you're going. Okay. Right. All right. Uh, Cubs. Uh, not right now. White Sox. Uh, Jose Abreu, but he came up later though. Had a hell of a career, though. Yeah, he's been pretty good. <laughs> he's been really good. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, Joey Votto, Votto, Votto yeah. yeah. Is that because of contract? Oh, you don't think the Reds are trying to trade him with the money he's making? So that's their... just because of contract? I mean, he's a good – he seems like an all-around really good guy, and he fits in that. He's been there for so long. Uh, well, his first year was like 08 or 09, I think, um, and he broke onto the scene in 2010 when he won the MVP. So he'd be the guy, but he makes so much money. Like, let me pull up that contract. It's just um, – it is not All right. a team-friendly uh, deal. So this is alphabetical order. Uh, that would be your Cleveland Guardians? No. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been there for a while, but he's been rumored in trade talks too. Rockies? Yeah. Um, Trevor Stro- huh? They did just resign uh, Ryan McMahon to a four-year, $70 million deal. And I heard the, the girl who works for uh, MLB – Sirius XM, who she covers the Rockies. Oh, Jenny Kavanaugh. Yeah, she was loving on him today. Um, Tigers? No, Anyone? No, because Cabrera got traded there. Uh, Astros actually have two. You got Brent, uh, Bregman, uh, Bregman and Altuve. And Altuve. Okay. Uh, Dodgers? Bellinger? Kershaw. But he almost left this year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, right? Like Walker Bueller, no. Oh, we didn't even bring it up. Kenley Jansen's a brave. Yeah, he got a one only a one year deal for sixteen million. No, it's here we go contracts again. But that's still 
It's a good move for him. I mean, he can he can go he could reestablish his value and enter the market again next year. Marlins no, Brewers no. Uh, Brewers yeah no because Yelich was traded there. Uh, Twins no. Buxton if he finishes out this this contract he could be a guy. Long term. I'm talking long term. He's been there for entire a while. career. He's been there since 2016 or 17. But probably he probably won't be there. So it's the Twins. Mets. Degrom. The guy I can think of. The guy who's opting out. The I hope the opt out they're probably resigned. Comforto's a free agent. I don't know. I'm gonna say no. Uh, Yankees. Right, the Yankees be next. The Yankees would be. Well, yeah, Aaron, you're a smart New York Mets, perceived by New, <laughs> New York, York Yankees. Aaron Judge, maybe, maybe. Let's, let's see, starting pitchers. Nope, got, no, no, I know Garrett Cole was originally originally drafted by them, but he Oakland A's. We'd be next on the board. Uh, no, no. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies. Mm, no. Uh, top of my head. The only guy that's been there for a while, then he's just he's a decent player is Reese Hoskins, so probably not. They're vaunted first baseman now. Uh your Pirates, no. Padres, Tatis. Giants. We already said them. Mariners. Well, I told you he's gone, but it was Seeger. <laughs> uh is anyone else who else has been on that team for a while? Hanniger? No, because he didn't start his career there anyway. He was traded there. Uh, Cardinals. Um, Matt Carpenter's now a Ranger, so no. Arenado, no. Uh, Wainwright. Oh no, he started with the Braves, though. Never mind. Rays, no. Unless Longoria goes back. Rangers, no. Oh, Gallo's gone. Blue Jays. Potentially, they got a couple guys, yeah. but that's a long way to go. Yeah, it's a very let, long let, way to go. Let's see what happens when the likes of Guerrero Jr. and Bichette hit free agency. And then the Nats won Soto. So we just went through 30 teams. And the point of, this, ex- the, 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 the point of this exercise, there's very, very few guys that are going to be career guys with one team. And... We really have to look at it. It's a dying, it's a dying thing, and that there, there, there. We should be conditioning ourselves as fans not to worry about one guy, one team for his entire career. We should worry about how much can I get out of this guy before we move him, and I and love him while you got him, right? Love the one you're with, but just know you're not ending your relationship with this guy. Or you're not in, your final relationship won't be this guy. There's always going to be new players. There's always going to be new guys. Nobody stays with a franchise. I mean, if you could have Mr. Tiger and Al Kaline and he comes up at 18 and he dies a Tiger and he was at Tiger Stadium when you were there and he's always there, if you have that guy, great. But that is really not a reality. I'm trying to think of I, – I, I went back and looked. I was just trying to think if there was a Cub we might have missed. And Kyle Hendricks has been there for a while, but that's about it. So, no. But, Albert, I, yeah, you're, you're, you're right, though, about – How about Albert Pujols? Like, there, there, there's like a service contract that when Albert Pujols is done, it's like he gets a million a year for 10 years to be like Mr. Angel. Do you think people really want Albert Pujols around? Do you think, like – Pools is going to be walking around the big A, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's Albert Pools. 
no, if it was St. Louis, he'd get a standing ovation every time he walked around the ballpark. This is when he's retired. Um, yeah, like they, like even think of like the, some of the best players of all time. Trevor Hoffman didn't finish his career as a San Diego Padre. He was a Brewer. Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that that didn't finish their career. Uh, what the team they started with. It's a very it's a rarity to have a Derek Jeter or a Buster Posey anymore in baseball. Now you're right about football. It's been one you know one one team for the quarterback. Like look at basketball. Steph Curry is with the Warriors. He'll probably he might finish with the Warriors his whole career. Even in basketball, you don't get it. Kevin Durant didn't say what the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder slash Supersonics his whole career. LeBron James has been back to Cleveland twice already. And Michael Jordan was a wizard. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget, Jordan was a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, and that's, and, and I always, I, I, I know it just sucks to hear, but I think that's very important for our fan base. Our our fan base. You know, because they've never had it, I think they long for it. But if they had it, they'd realize how it's overrated. Because it is not fun to watch your your supposed superstar. It's not fun to watch him get old. It's not fun to shop him. It's not fun to get rid of him. It's not. It's not fun to watch someone age and not have the numbers anymore. And then, you know... The only good part is at the very end when you do this, like, you know, this the, the this farewell tour. How many guys have I really had a farewell tour? You know, it was like Cal Ripken, Tony Gwynn, very few. George Brett. Jeter. Jeter. Rivera. Very few have had a farewell tour. But... I'm telling you, the lifetime guy. It just, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't. Do you think the, do you think watching pool holes at the end was fun for an Angel fan? I don't, I don't know. I'm married to an Angels fan. I don't know how much they enjoyed watching pool holes. Period. After the first couple, like of years. who wants to watch a guy's skills erode, and yet you still owe him all this money? And oh my God, what do you do? And he still wants to play every day. Of course, he wants to play every day, but you don't want him to play every day. Why? Because the numbers show he shouldn't play every day. And my God, it's painful to watch him run down to first base. It's like A's fans, you haven't had to deal with that, but you, sh- but boy, do you want it. I I pulled up Votto's contract. How much do you think Joey Votto is making this year at age thirty eight with for the Cincinnati Reds? But you got to realize, I became a Votto fan last year when he stopped trying to walk and he started trying he, to hit, hit home, home runs. runs. He did have a good year last year. I'll, um, at age thirty eight, Joey Votto is making twenty five million dollars. At age thirty nine, how much money is Joey Votto going to be making? Twenty five million dollars. At age forty, Joey Votto is going to make forty million dollars. Well, it's a team option with a $7 million buyout. I'm pretty sure they're going to buy him out when he's age 40 for the $7 million. And so he has two more years left with the, the Reds for $50 million because who wants to take on that contract? He's still a good player, but he's not the player he was. Like last year, he was last year he was really good. Because well, he, he was swinging it. He, hit 30. he wasn't trying to walk anymore. He, was at, he admitted it. That was the coolest thing about Joey Votto last year is that Joey Votto actually admitted, you know what? Because a lot of people criticized him, including yours truly. It's like, oh, you're on base is great, but your team stinks and you're not – like, go to his run scored. How much has that dipped? Um, let's see. His run scored 
He, he scored 106 in 2017 at age 33. Then it was 67, 79. He only played in 50 games in 2020, obviously. And then he had scored 73 runs last year. 36 of them were because he had a home run. <laughs> but that was the thing. He admitted because he, he, he heard the criticism like, that's great, he walks a lot. So what did he start doing? He says he's trying to hit home runs. How many did he hit? 36. I became a remember. Do you remember when I flipped yeah. on him last year? I became a Joey Votto fan last year. I'm just looking at his numbers. Like he has really solid numbers. He's only broken how many times do you think he's broken 100 RBIs in his career? Not a lot. Three. He had 99 last year, so yeah. it, could, it could have been four. Three times he's done it in that ballpark, in yeah. that band box. But look at his look at his on base percentage. Uh, his oh his career on base percentage is 416. It's pretty good. Now, how many RBIs? Uh, career RBIs, 1,065, and 331 career home runs. But yet, at the age of what did he say? You know what? I'm tired of just being the guy that walks a lot. Uh, how many home runs? 37 years old, 36 home runs. Because he started swinging it. Good for him. I'm not, I'm not, do not bring down my guy, Joey Votto. Now I feel bad now. He's the one, he's the one in that lot. And Cassianos is a Philly. Oh, they got, I guess they, do they have still have Moustakis? But they really don't have anyone that Winker's gone. Uh, Barnhart's gone. Why would you have Moustakis at this point? And can you deal him? Uh, let's see. What's, I what, mean, the universal DH should help you out, right? Yeah. Some, some guys should really benefit from the universal DH. Like some guys, they saw that rule and said, "Man, I'm going to get a paycheck for at least four or five more years." He had a negative one. Point, he had a negative one WAR last year. Uh, he only played in 62 games, but man, Musakis has fallen off. I mean, he had 35 home runs in 2019. He put he only hit eight in 2020 in the shortened season, and then he only played in 60 games last year, and he hit six at age 32. And they're paying him now. Musakis is making 16 million this year. 18 million next year, and then he has a 20 million dollar option with a four million dollar buyout the same year as Joey Votto. Yikes! If you're the Reds, someone will take him though. If you try to trade him, I mean, I think he has the money he he's owed is a lot easier to take on than Joey Votto because of his age. And the Universal DH would help it. Yeah, I mean, just I don't know why we we got stuck on the Reds, but they uh, they're not the Reds anymore with Adam Dunn hitting all these home runs. They're going to be a lot different this year, but. Um, you just you got to feel bad. In a way, I feel bad for Votto. You know, entering the twilight of his career, and he's gonna be playing on some probably bad teams in Cincinnati. Wow! So I told you, as you sat here in your socks and on Twitter all day, I was working like a contractor, right? I didn't see this. Casey Sadler done for the year for the Mariners. Injured right shoulder. That is a blow. Yeah, he was. He's a, he was really good for them last year. He had a 0.67 ERA in 42 games and a franchise record 29 consecutive scoreless appearances. Done. That's sad. Yep. It's sad that this guy could <clears> – <throat> sad that he could never figure it out for the Pirates, but he played for – before he went to the Mariners, he was on one, two, three, four different teams before he joined the Mariners, and he was – and his career in two years in Seattle in 49 games, he has a 1-4-3 ERA. That's pretty good. That just – that sucks, especially at that age. What's he, 30? He's thir- he was – it was last year's was age 30 season. He is now – he'll be – he's 31. He'll be 32 in July. Wow. 
that's always the worst. You see shoulder. I mean, at least with like the elbow, we can talk about Tommy John, but you see the shoulder terrible. Coming up next, one of the great TV faces, Chip Carey from the Braves. Are they ecstatic about Matt Olson? How do they feel about Freddie Freeman? Their guy is now a Dodger. We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. God, can you imagine you're an Atlanta Falcon fan? How long has Matt Ryan been in, 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 in Atlanta? I mean, it's forever. Freddie Freeman gone? 14 seasons. My twins are 16 years old. Remember, he'll always be linked to him and Joe Flacco. Did Matt Ryan go to Boston College? That's correct, Boston College. Jesus. Second best quarterback to ever come out of Boston College? He's the second best? Come on. Doug Flutie? Better than Doug Flutie? Come on. Great Doug Flutie. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. God, I was trying to think about that. I mean, I remember him getting drafted. I used to do all those draft shows back in the day. It means we're all getting old. When Matt Ryan's old, yeah, like, that's the thing. It's like when, like, Phillip Rivers and all these guys were out of the league. It was hard to believe Matt Ryan's been in the league 14 years. Phillip Rivers also finished his, col- his career as an Indianapolis Colt. Oh, God. Do you think about all these? Got ben Roethlisberger's done? We're getting old. Chip, are you there? Hey, I'm here. How are you guys? Great, great. We were just talking about, you know, you start to feel old when you're like, Matt Ryan got traded to the Colts. You're like, God, he's been in the league for 14 years, and then Freddie Freeman's now not there. You guys got a lot going on in Atlanta. Yeah, as long as they don't trade me, I'm in good shape. It's okay. We'll we'll get through this together. <laughs> well, you you uh, yeah, you, you can't a- trade a carry. The Carey family is too strong. They can't. You guys are the uh, franchise. Uh, well, thank you, but uh, no, it's been an eventful couple of weeks in Atlanta. But uh, look, the Falcons need to rebuild. Braves went through their rebuild about six years ago, and we'll see where it takes them ahead. You know, we talk, you know, our fan base longs for a franchise player because they've never had one. I mean, going back to when the A's got here in 68 and had great success, winning three straight World Series, and later on came the Tony La Russa uh, A's that won a World Series and went went to three straight. But no guy has ever just said, I'm sticking my flagpole here and stayed here their entire career. So – A's fans have always looked for that guy, and I think about for Braves fans, I mean, you had that guy with Chipper Jones, uh, now obviously with the franchise, think about someone like Hank Aaron, where no matter where the Braves were, he is Mr. Brave. But when you think about Freddie Freeman leaving, how tough was that for, for the fans? You just won the World Series, and now your guy's a Dodger. 
Well, I guess you have to look at it uh, with Freddie Freeman two different ways. Uh, one, you look at the player. Uh, MVP, uh, won a World Series champion, Gold Glove Award winner, face of the franchise, as you said, a guy that had been with the organization for 12 years. Uh, you know, that part of it's hard. You know, it's hard to lose a player of that caliber. Uh, but the Braves are getting a really good player in return. And I think yeah. the, the unknown factor for our fan base is we don't see the Oakland A's very much on the East Coast. So uh, fans know that uh, Matt Olson's from Parkview. They know he's an Atlanta kid. They know he's put up big numbers. He's also younger and less expensive. And the economics of this deal are a big part of it from the Braves' perspective as well. Uh, then you take the other side of that argument, which is the human being. Freddie Freeman's a great guy, great husband, great father, super in the community, unbelievably good and patient with the media, as we said, kind of like Chipper Jones and Dale Murphy and Tom Glavin, a uh, very vocal face and voice of the franchise, and you're going to miss that. Certainly we will in the media, but as you know, the essence of our game is adapting to change because Chipper Jones doesn't play for the Braves anymore. Greg Maddox, Dale Murphy, Hank Aaron, John Schuholtz is at the GM. Bobby Cox is no longer managing the team. If you can't accept change and the time marches on with or without your favorite players, you're going to be disappointed every year. So, uh, you know, we're going to be sorry Freddie's gone. We're sorry that he and the Braves couldn't come to terms. But Alex Anthopoulos did what he had to do and did it in a very effective and great way for the Braves currently and in the future. And we wish Freddie all the best, except for the six games he plays the Braves in the regular season, of course. Yeah, we feel the same way about Matt Olson. You're getting a hell of a guy, and he's the one player – that I said if I had to pick an A to win an MVP coming up here in the next few years, I didn't pick Marcus Simeon. I didn't pick Matt Chapman. I picked Matt Olson because not only does he have just incredible power, obviously we saw what he did hitting against left-handed pitching last year for power, but uh, what he is defensively, he and, and that's one thing I think you guys are going to notice, how special he is at picking the baseball, at throwing the baseball. He really, and running the bases, you guys are getting an all-around player who I agree with, younger, cheaper, but man, I think he's about to explode on the national scene, and he's going to do it as an Atlanta Brave. With a defending World Series champion team that's getting Marcelo Zuna back after he missed almost all of last year and Ronald Acuna Jr. back after missing half the season. So coming to Atlanta, all those accolades you uh, uh, presented for Matt are things that if he just does that with the team around him, he's not going to have to be the guy, uh, which I, I would assume, again, not watching the A's an awful lot last year, you know, he was kind of a guy that you put an X on him, and if you work around him, you got a pretty good chance to neutralize that team offensively. That's not going to be the case for him in Atlanta. If he has a bad day, he's got five or six guys in a really deep, good lineup that can pick up the slack. So uh, all those points you made are valid. We can't wait to see him. He's had a good start to spring training in his brief time with the Braves so far. And uh, I think very quickly our fans in Atlanta are going to fall in love with a local kid who, if he just comes in and does what he's capable of doing, I think he and the Braves will be uh, just fine. And how about the just terrific, sneaky move of Kenley Jansen for one year coming in for your bullpen? Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. The Braves already had a very good bullpen. Uh, I think that's because they have some questions at the back of the rotation. Charlie Morton looks to be on track to start the season in rotation. Max Fried is going to be in rotation. Ian Anderson is going to be in rotation with a caveat. He had some shoulder issues last year that were uh, part of his cautionary tale. Then you've got a fight at the back of the rotation with guys like Kyle Muller and Kyle Wright and Tuki Toussaint and others looking for the fourth and fifth job. But because of that uncertainty, you better have a deep and strong bullpen. And it's a bullpen that 
uh, you don't have to worry about lefty-righty splits. They get both sides out pretty equally well. Will Smith said he's cool being a setup guy. He said, quote, if it leads to another World Series and I'm not closing games, I'm fine with that. Uh, so, yeah, getting Kenley Jansen, who is the most accomplished closer of his generation, is a, a great coup on a one-year deal. He dreamed of playing for the Braves as a kid growing up in Curacao, knows Ozzy Albies, grew up watching the Braves on the Superstation and Andrew Jones, and he's excited to uh, to be in Braves uh, colors, and we're excited to see him do his thing with that cutter-slider combination in the ninth inning in Atlanta. You know, one of the fascinating things about this season – will be how National League teams really utilize their DH. And there's a lot of ways to go about it. You can have one guy who's your primary DH. You can use it as a kind of like an off day for certain guys to get some at-bats. Or if you got someone hurt like Acuna who's coming back, maybe he's not ready to play in the outfield, but, man, at least at some point early on, stick him as DH to get that back into the lineup. So uh, how's Acuna doing, and, and what do you see his role as uh, early on in the season? Well, I think that depends on what the trainers say. Ronald's been hitting bombs in, in batting practice, but I'm sure they're going to bring him close, uh, bring him back somewhat slowly after the ACL tear because, as you said, they can't risk losing him again. Uh, but, you know, in the National League, you know, you, it's going to be a different game. You know, the old saying, oh, if you have the DH in the National League, that's going to be a big payday for a lot of guys making nine, 10, 12, 15 million dollars. That's not the case anymore. I think with the Braves, you're going to see those at bats spread around. As you said, Olsen could DH, Ozuna could DH, Acuna could DH to start the year. If you want to get Austin Riley off his feet, you can keep his bat in the lineup and get him away from third base. I think that that's going to be a really, really good thing for National League players who aren't used to that. And of course, some guys do the DH job well, some hate it, but my take on it was as a National League traditionalist, I hated the DH, but watching Mike Fultonevich try to hit convinced me that we <laughs> desperately need it in the National League, and thankfully it's here. So I think you can see those at-bats spread around with a multitude of guys in Atlanta, and Brian Sicker will be able to play the hot hand knowing he's going to have five or six bench bats at his disposal on any given day. Yeah, I, you know they were talking about Max Scherzer and no DH, and you're like, Max Scherzer was like, 0 for 59 last year, and do I need to see him bun off his face again in practice? Well, all I know is this. Max Scherzer beat the Braves a couple of years ago with an infield base hit uh, while he was playing with the Washington Nationals. So any pitcher that does that, I say get a regular player in there so they can strike out and try to launch the ball out of the ballpark. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm not a fan of, of the uh, three-outcome style of game, but that's what we've got. And if there's more offense and there's a chance for more action as opposed to watching pitchers try to hit, I think uh, you've got to adapt or die, and I applaud the baseball's moved in that direction. So the division is interesting, obviously, with the Mets going to be spending some money and, and that they're going for it, uh, looking at the Philly signings. So how do you kind of handicap the National League East right now? Well, the Braves are the team to beat because they've won the division the last four years and they've got a World Series ring that they'll be getting in a couple of weeks. So that's number one. But number two, uh, the Mets are going to be very good. If DeGrom is healthy, any team that has Jacob DeGrom is a big threat. Uh, you had Scherzer, you had Taiwan Walker. Those guys are really, really accomplished pitchers. Uh, you know, They've upgraded things in New York. Buck Showalter's going to bring an edge and try to, uh, shall we say, reinvent the culture in Mets colors. He's a terrific tactical manager, and he's a no-nonsense guy who's going to straighten out some things there. That's number two. And number three, the Philadelphia Phillies. They've got Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. That's really good. They're going to have a really good offensive ball club. I don't know if they're going to be able to catch a cold or not, 
But I think Dave Dombrowski's betting on the fact that that group of one through nine offensively is going to drive in more than they're going to let in. We'll see if that's the case. But as of now, it looks like it's going to be a three-team race in the East. The Marlins, with a really good pitching staff, aren't ready for prime time yet. And I'm not sure that the Washington Nationals have put enough around Juan Soto for them to really be a consideration in the race. But I do know this, as evenly matched as the Braves and the Phillies and the Mets appear to be, the path to the division historically has been you've got to beat the weak sisters in the East if you're going to win it. That means when you play the Marlins, you'd better have a good year against them. And if the Nationals are down, you'd better have a good year against them. Because if you don't, one of those other clubs is going to, and you'll be ending up looking up at them when it comes to uh, time to hand out a division title. You know, repeating is just something we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot. The Giants had their interesting run of win, not win, win, not win, win. But really, you got to go back to, I guess, the Yankees last time we saw a yeah, repeat. 21 years. Like, yeah, 21 years. Why do you think, and, and what do you think about that challenge for the Braves? Is there now, it's now their opportunity. Well, because I think that's the great beauty of baseball. Any team can beat any other team on any given day. Look, the Baltimore Orioles can throw John Means at you, and he can give you a hell of a performance, and they can beat you. Uh, you know, uh, they've got some talent on that club, even though they uh, really struggled in the second division last year. If you run into them at the wrong time, you know, they can put a dent in your season. Um, I think that's what makes our sport so, so much fun. It's not like watching the 16 seed play the number one in the NCAA tournament where 96% of the time the number one team wins. That's not baseball. There are too many games and too many variables. And that's uh, the same as uh, when it comes to our sport, especially at the trading deadline. Look, last year, nobody gave the Braves a chance to do much of anything, much less win the division of the World Series. But Alex Anthopoulos went out, got Eddie Rosario off the scrap heap. He got Jorge Soler from Kansas City. He wasn't being utilized there. Made a couple of moves in the bullpen, and all of a sudden the Braves played 667 baseball over the last two months, got hot, beat the Brewers on the Freeman home run against Josh Hader, and never looked back. That's the magic of baseball. That's why it's so hard, because the Braves entered the playoffs last year with the fewest number of wins of any playoff uh, uh, team that made it, yet they were the ones that won the last game they played. And that's what we love about it. That's what makes it so fun, and that's why we all can't wait to get started on April the 7th. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you say one of the key things, and we'll end on this, one of the key things about the Atlanta Braves is a lot of shrewd moves. And it may not always be something that the fan base loves or the media loves, but, you know, you got to make some tough moves uh, depending on, obviously, how much you want to spend or what you want to do with players. But shrewd moves work in this game, and the Braves have been very good at that. They have been. Alex Anthopoulos and his staff do a terrific job, and that's why general managers get paid what they are paid. We can second-guess them all they want, but they're the people that have been given the keys to the organization, and you have to entrust that they are going to do what they think is best for the organization. Over time, it may be proven wrong, but they have to operate that way, and Alex does that. They are paid a lot of money to make very difficult decisions, like the one Alex made a couple of weeks ago with Freddie Freeman. That wasn't easy on any level, but ultimately, he had the, shall we say, stones to do what he thought was right and let a franchise icon walk out the door but in the next breath was able to replace him and not only replace him, strengthen the ball club in his absence. That's not easy to do in this day and age, and I think Alex Anthopoulos deserves a ton of credit for being able to pull that off.
Well, we really enjoyed the run last year with the Braves. Obviously, some former A's around there that came on this program. Walt Weiss was coming on, our good friend Ron Washington, and it, we, we had a lot of fun, and now we'll be rooting for Matt Olson too. So we'll be uh, we'll be rooting for you guys. And by the way, the Carey franchise, you can't trade a Carey. That's not possible. <laughs> well, you know, my grandfather was an Oakland A broadcaster yes? for one year. I don't think he liked the color Kelly green. I think he was colorblind. So that might've cost him with Charlie Finley. So then he went on his way to the white Sox. but uh, you guys have a, a good thing going. Mark Kotze, former brave, your manager. He's a great human being, wonderful family. And I think he's going to be a great success for you. And, we wish the A's all the best, except, of course, when we play you guys later on this summer. Well, enjoy the rest of spring training and the start of the year, and let's talk soon. I would look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. The great Chip Carey from the Carey family. His dad, longtime broadcaster for the Braves. Obviously, Harry, his grandfather, was the man. I, uh, while you were talking to Chip, it came up on Twitter. The Nationals are retiring a player's number, and we forgot this guy's finished his whole career at the Nationals. Um, uh, right-handed bat. Yep. Uh, Third baseman. Yeah. First I, baseman. Yeah. Mr. National. Stayed out for the COVID year. Yep. God, what the hell is his name? Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman. So there's a the guy that's finished his whole career. They're retiring. But his now jersey. he's out. He doesn't count. He's off the list. Posey, off the list. They're, they're retiring his jersey this year. No, no one over number 11 again. Guess who they're playing when they retire okay, his jersey? Let me, let, let me, let me Hold on. we got to get to buying or selling. Ryan Zimmerman, does he have numbers that qualify for retiring the jersey lifetime? All right. So, 284 home runs. I wouldn't say he was a power hitter. 1,061 RBIs. 277 hitter. Did 963 runs scored. A career 816 OPS. Won a gold glove. Ever an MVP? No. Top 10 MVP votes? I'm not, I, I have to scroll down, but I'm, I'm going to say no. How many uh, All-Star games? Uh, two. No offense. Is that really a retirement career? I think it's just because he plays. He'd be the. Would he be the? I think he might be the first national to have his jersey retired. Not trying to hate. Not trying to hate. Had a great career. He got paid. He never has to worry. Let's see how much did he make in his career. He made only 138 million in his career, so he's going to be okay. Is he? Is he really a? No one will ever wear that number again, guy. Well, that's what the Nats are doing, and guess who they're playing when they do it. He was the first. Was he the first ever Nat? I think so. Yes. Something like that. When did yeah. they move? Oh, f- his they would have moved. His first year was 05. He was drafted by the Nats in two. Uh, he was drafted by the Nats. In Let me ask you a question: Was he drafted by the Expos or the Nats? The Nats. He was drafted in 05 out of Virginia, and he's he played in the majors in 05. So he went straight from college to the majors at age 20. When did they move from? You sure he was a Nat when when he was picked, when he was selected in the June amateur draft back then? Were they then were they drafting as the Nats, or were they drafting as the Expos? They were drafting as the Nats. Their first year in DC was 2005. So he got drafted that June. Was in the big leagues that that yeah. year? Yes. He played 20 games as a as a rookie. 
Well, that's not really even a rookie. He was a prospect then because he still, he still finished – I think he finished second rookie of the year voting the next year in 2006. But, yeah, they're retiring his jersey. So, they, yeah, I remember there's something about – so he's the first ever draft pick by, the, by that franchise. Yes. Uh, let's see. Right? First round number four overall. So he's the first ever Nat to be selected. Yeah. Who was the last expo? Are we talking about Mister? Don't, don't even go after. Are you but, sure? I mean, I could, I, I'd rather do buying or selling. I mean, I could pull up the uh, I could pull up Mister Irrelevant for the Nats if you really want the, <laughs> the expos. No, I'm good. Okay, all right. Well, we even played this one also. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. So, yeah, it's been awesome since we've done buying or selling, but uh, I'll tell you quickly, the game that they're retiring his jersey, Bryce Harper and the Phillies will be in town. So, Bryce Harper could have been the guy that had his jersey retired. He left to go to Philadelphia. They won the World Series. The first year, he was gone. So, that's who they're playing when they do it. I Now, see, now you got me down the, going down this rabbit hole of seeing who the last Expos draft pick was. But we'll, we'll, I'll get you that for where the show ends. So, I was watching the or listening to the game yesterday, Ken and Vince on the call for our spring training game against the Cleveland Guardians. And uh, since the trade of Matt Olson last week, first base has been an open position. Initially thought it could be Seth Brown or the local kid Eric Thames or Dalton Kelly, who I had to look up because I had no idea who he was. I thought Thames was for sure, if anything, a DH. Well, last week the A's brought back an old friend, uh. Billy McKinney, the former first-round pick for the A's. How played old well, is he now? 28. Played well Sunday, hitting a home run and playing first base. Now, McKinney has started four games of first base last year, or four games in first base, and he played has played in 20 overall in his big league career, including last year for the Brewers, Mets, and Dodgers. Mm-hmm. McKinney will also be wearing number 28 Ooh. this year as well. Too soon to give him Matt Olson's number away? No. Buying or selling, Billy McKinney will be the A's opening day first baseman. How many games has he played at first in his big league career? 20. Sounds like an Oakland A already. <laughs> I'm buying. Telling you, I think he's going to be he I think he's going to be the guy. Wash, tell him how easy it is. It's extremely hard. Yeah, it's incredibly hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's a moneyball reference, folks. Go back and watch. So this one, a couple of these I've had since before the lockout. So All right. All right. So the Mets uh, finally found their GM. We know who it is. It's Billy Appler after a long and comprehensive search. They chose a former Angels GM. Epler never led the Angels to the postseason, but he did sign Otani, Otani, give Mike Trout that extension, and sign Anthony Rendon to that seven-year, four hundred or two hundred forty-five million dollars. And deal. He used to work for the Yankees. And he, I have done the next thing. And he used to be an executive with the Yankees. Since the, he's been with the Mets, they've only brought in Max Scherzer and Marcana and Starling Marte and traded for Chris Bassett. Buying or selling, Billy Epler can win in New York. I'm buying it. I like he. Hey, he's friend of the program, Billy Epler. Oh, oh, and he's and he hired Buck Showalter to be the manager. Forgot. Yeah, I think he went in New York. Okay. I, th- I, 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 there's a desire and a checkbook that, and remember, Buck wins. Now he may not last long term because he wears he wears on people, but Buck wins early. Yeah, I, I'm gonna buy that. Okay. Well, I. I think they can win. I think they can make the postseason this year. I don't know if they'll win the division, but they on paper look like the division winners. But the Braves have made a lot of good moves this offseason after losing Freddie Freeman and bringing Kenley Jansen and no one really talking about it. That was a sneaky move 
for them to add to their bullpen that was already pretty good. One year, $16 million, boom. Like, to go along with the guys they already have in that bullpen with Matzik and, and everyone else, that's uh, Luke Jackson. I like what they can do this year. And if there's a rotation stays healthy. The repeat, Braves, repeat. Be the first team since who in the National League to repeat as, as champion? I can't believe it. Is it really the Big Red Machine? Big Red Machine in the 70s. Only I was born. Yeah, well, I wasn't. I was. I don't even think my parents were dating at the time. No, they weren't. They weren't dating. So, yeah, it's been a long time. So, we talked about this earlier, but I'm going to bring it up again anyway for anyone who missed it. In honor of the six-man rotation in the Angels, I want to present a simple question uh, and analysis to you. But let me explain it. 2021 and the COVID, after the COVID-shortened season and everything was going on, four pitchers went 200 innings. Zach, Buehler, Zach Wheeler, Walker Buehler, Adam Wainwright at age 40, and Sandy Alcantara, who recently just resigned a, or signed a long-term deal with the Miami Marlins. Corbin Burns won 167 innings last year, won the Cy Young. Robbie Ray, 193 and a third, won the Cy Young. The average start, as you told me, was five and a, five and a third in 2021. Team Teams averaged 13 starters per game or per season. Buying or selling 200 innings is a thing of the past for pitchers. Buying. Sad. Well, could it come back, though? Yes. Because at some point, what do we say? For a team, 162 games, 27 outs is 4,374 or something like that. How are you going to get that many outs if starters aren't going? You got to have a lot of people deep. in your. You got to have a lot of deep bullpen. You're only allowed fire. so many guys on the roster. Yeah, I think it's 13 pitchers. Is that what it is this year? But you and you better have a deep farm system with a lot of guys that. That's the one thing I will say about the moves that have been made by the A's. They finally have added some guys that have velocity through the system. Something that we talked about last year where we had like the slowest bullpen and rotation. But, and just, nobody, but, but just nobody who's going to be in the A's bullpen this year other than Lou Trevino. Uh, Lou Trevino and maybe A.J. Puck. He throws hard because he can't find the strike zone. Uh, and he wasn't didn't look very good in his start the other or his, uh, outing. He pitched, yeah, outing the other day. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if it, my theory of him becoming a reliever slash closer still happens. Uh, the Marlins are on the verge of uh, c contending. They had a really good offseason. Like I mentioned, they got Sandy Alcantara, a five-year extension worth $55 million. They brought in Avisiel Garcia. They brought in um, who they, uh, they brought Jorge Soler in on a nice deal, kind of like Correa's where he can opt out for the first two years. They have a young pitching staff, and they have a good manager in the great Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly. Buying or selling, the Marlins will become contenders this season. Selling. Division two stacked. I yeah. Uh, I just there's too many good teams, and there's too many questions on whether they're going to be good or not. I agree with that. I, I think I think they'll take a nice step forward this year, but I think they still got. Can they, they really get worse? No, I mean they they weren't the worst team in their division last year though. That belonged to the. We're watching them on TV right now. The Washington, the Washington Nationals. Nationals, but I just it, it's. You got the Mets and the Braves. I would go Mets, Braves, and the Phillies. I mean, I, Phillies to me are going to be like a beer league softball team. Can I have a lot of home runs, but I can't play defense. Can't play defense a little. But you told me defense doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I mean, the bit you asked me the other day, uh, who's between Cassianos and Schwarber, like. Who's going to play DH? Neither one of them can play in the outfield. They're both terrible. So, essentially. Defensively, 
Until a defensive metric becomes chic and cool, defense doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I got to look at what their outs above average is because everyone starts to use that stat now. And I always just go with defensive run saved. And, well, they're both negative defensive run saved for both those guys. But I do. You think- know, my favorite thing, too, about certain certain metrics is that people will go with, go with one for a while and then somebody will come up with something that craps on that one and then everybody's got to gravitate to a new one. Yeah, it's outs above average is a new one now. Uh, they, but the Phillies might be one of the worst teams in the league with that. Um, all right, we got three minutes. So I'll do this one on one more. So Carlos Correa made some headlines before the lockout, and it's not for his play on the field or his free agent campaign, which is now over. He's now a Minnesota twin. It's his comments he made about Marlin, former Marlins CEO Derek Jeter. For one, Derek Jeter won all five of his gold gloves between the ages of 30 and 36. So Correa said that he didn't deserve any of his five gold gloves. Now... For the advanced metrics like ultimate zone range per 150 games give Jeter a rating of negative 5.9, which ranks him 21st out of 24 qualified shortstops during the same year as he won his gold glove. He had a 7.7 defensive war in that span. That was 18th. He racked up negative 92 defensive runs saved in that span, dead last. Buy or selling, Derek Jeter did not deserve any of his five gold gloves. I would totally agree with that. I'd buy that. I got all the stats from Hembo, by the way. Derek Jeter was not Derek Derek Jeter was not a great defensive shortstop, but he had obviously one of the great careers. There's plenty of guys who have plaques in Cooperstown who are not there because of their glove. There's a lot of guys, actually. That's for sure. That's defense wasn't as valued as much as well. Defense still not as valued as much. It is, but it isn't. And Jeter was just a, he was the captain. You tell me, Paul Molitor's in there, but George <laughs> Brett, guys are in there because of their Jim Rice are in there because of their gloves. I don't think so. All right, last one. I don't have to go down through. Uh, I'll give I you- mean, we really could go down the line. Just I just those guys came to the top of my head. Uh, Edgar Martinez didn't even bring a glove to the ballpark. <laughs> I mean, we could go down the line of all these guys going, nope, nope, nope. Uh, last one. He didn't get traded recently. But by the way, if Correa is taking shots at Jeter, that's classless. Yeah, this is before the lockout, though. So That's classless. Um, I think he was on like some podcast or something. Where I yeah, got there's, there's no reason to do that. Um, remember, this is, like I said, before the lockout. So, But I believe he was on a podcast or something and he made those comments. Last one. This guy didn't get traded. Um, he hasn't been traded yet. We don't know if he's going to get traded. He could be back this year. Buying or selling, Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the 49ers roster. Oh, selling. No but way. They haven't traded them yet. What team needs a quarterback? What does does did the season start tomorrow? Oh, they what team what team needs a quarterback? Did the season start tomorrow? No. Has anyone gotten hurt in training camp? Uh, no. So when does the season start? Uh, July. Street, uh, that's when training camp is. When does the season start? September. Okay, so you're 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 gripping in March when it's not even September. I I just I don't know. There was a rumor out there earlier today from Mike Florio that John Lynch has had two number two draft picks, two second rounders on the phone, and he says he wants more. So can we? I I don't know how we revisit this. I just know at some point when he's gone, do I get to tell you I told you so? Sure. Okay. But I'm just a little concerned because. Do I get to tell you I told yes. you so that by week one of the National Football League, 
Jimmy Garoppolo. You can call him Jimmy G. You can call him a Disney prince. You can call him whatever you want. Uh, he will not be a 49er by week one of the National Football League, which should be somewhere around September 8th-ish, yes. somewhere around there. Yeah, probably. Uh, no, I, I'm a good spoiler. He'll be on an NFL roster, but he will not be in a Niner uniform. If you can't trade him for – if Matt Ryan only went for a third-round pick, I can only imagine what they're going to try to get for Garoppolo now or what teams are going to offer. And by the way, how much better would the Niners be if they would have had a better quarterback? Well, they, went Did, to, they went to the NFC Championship game in spite of him. There you go. So – That'll be an interesting storyline to follow in the Bay Area, other than you know, watch you know with what we're doing with the A's. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him now because of what happened with Matt Ryan and ooh, who who wants Baker Mayfield. So we'll see. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. No off day for us. Look at these. everybody else gets an off day already in spring training. Are you serious? I think this is the last off day they have in a while. If they even, I gotta let me, I gotta pull up the spring training schedule. I think they broke camp today because we, we optioned like 15 guys in the minors. Time to go to work. Let's see. Um, let's see if we even have one the next off day is for us. Yes, again, let me qualify. We can say us because we work for the team. Let's see, the next off day, this is the only off day they have. Looks like they play, yeah. Next off day for the A's won't be until Wednesday, April 6th. And then the season starts on the 8th. Then they got two days off. They don't yeah. play till the Whoa, end. Oh, it's a long flight to Philadelphia. That that tr- that charter from Arizona yeah. to Philly. My favorite one I heard yesterday, and not that I heard a kid from Arizona after they beat TCU last night in the in the uh, March Madness go. You know, we you know the the flight we had to take to get here from Tucson to get to San Diego. I'm like, it's like an hour flight. What do you mean it's a long that's travel? That's not even an hour. Uh, Southwest told me it was an hour twenty. I'm like, it's not an hour twenty. Not in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No way. <laughs> and they're were they on a Southwest? I doubt it. Who no, Arizona? It was, it was no. a, yeah, definitely a charter, probably. All right, we'll be back at eleven o'clock on. Wednesday, we want to thank Glenn Kuyper, Julian McWilliams, and the great Chip Carey for all joining us here on A's Cast Live. We will replay this show and see everybody on Wednesday. Be well. This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Great news. Our indoor dining is back along with our beautiful patio dining. Come taste our world-famous chicken pie that has been served in Southern California for 83 years. The Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek has one of the most dynamic menus plus a full bar. Pot pies, gourmet burgers, sandwiches, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget, we still do takeout and delivery. For all the information, go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.